Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. As I slam my calendar into the uh, microphone once again trying to do stuff. Uh, it's been a busy morning actually before the show. Oh, we just lost somebody. <laughs> we lost Jason. Hey, Jason, why don't you call us back? <laughs> <laughs> so we've been do, doing a little pre-show uh, maneuvering here, and so I've got uh, I've got uh, Bill Bird and Jack Daniels on the line. Uh, unless they're uh, I don't know what's happening. We're, Jason, we've got to get Jason back again. Jason, he probably got another call. It's like Jason, this is live radio. You can't do this. You can't just disappear. <laughs> you know, you got to stand your ground. You, in fact, you have to stand on my show. Where'd you go? This is so funny. All right, so let me. What I'm going to do before I introduce uh, Jason's guest, since he's not here right now is let me play a, uh, a commercial that I made for uh, Stand Your Ground, which does air here every day on Action Radio. You've heard it before. You're going to hear it again. I don't have a theme for Jason yet because he doesn't have a regular report. He should because uh, I'd like to have him on every week to talk about self-defense, talk about the things that we talk about here. So this is what plays um, every day here on Action Radio. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand Your Ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. See all the fun we have here? So I'm not sure which of our many people are on this line. So let me, uh, let me uh, pull up this one. It's either going to be Jack and Jason or just Jack or I'm not sure. Who have we got here live? Hey, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. So, so all right, that's both of us. Okay, I got both of you. Okay, so we've got uh, – all right, so Jason, why don't you introduce your first guest, then I'll bring on, on Bill. All right, good morning, Greg, first of all, and thanks for having us on here. It's good to talk of to course. you again. Yeah. Uh, I do apologize. As we were setting up, the uh, phone decided to unplug. So the technical difficulties. We have, a, we have them all the time. Yeah, Jack, <laughs> <laughs> Jack Daniels uh, came to us as a firearms uh, – I'm sorry, student – uh, mm-hmm. He and his lovely wife, and with his knowledge and his history of being a self-defense instructor, mm-hmm. uh, we have come together to offer a great course to the city here, and he is our jiu-jitsu instructor. Wow. He has a lot of knowledge behind him on other matters, and it's mm-hmm. a privilege to have him here with me. Well, that sounds good. Nice to meet you. Well, enter and sign in, please. So tell me about jiu-jitsu. Where'd that come from? So is a uh, it's a martial art that comes from Japan and it uh-huh. uh, migrated its way into the United States in the 1920s. My style, at least, huh. um, it's very it's very very well adept to dealing with um, all sorts of situations. Uh, it's the style that I teach is uh, has a very unique history. It has a uniquely American component. Uh, it's been taught to the Marines. It's been taught to the military for 
coming up on a hundred years now. Um, it's it's really it's it yeah it's it's a wonderful style. I I fell in love with it. I've been practicing for thirteen years, fourteen years, and uh, now I'm teaching it stand your ground. So perfect. Perfect. Hang on a second. I have a ton more questions for you. I just want to get Bill in the conversation. So I want to have everybody here because we have like panel discussions. In fact, anybody else wants to join us, 215-383-3382. We've got the live chat. The live chat I haven't signed in myself yet. I've been kind of busy this morning. Um, but uh, we have folks, we have a regular uh, person uh, typing in from the Netherlands now. So we are international, uh, big time. We've got uh, audiences building in Canada, Australia, uh, the UK, New Zealand. And so it's pretty exciting. Plus most of Europe. Um, a good portion of Africa, uh, South America, Central America, uh, and Asia. So it's kind of cool. Anyway, uh, Bill Bird, welcome to Action Radio. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me. All right. What's your story? Um, well, uh, I'm not a jiu-jitsu instructor. Okay. Well, that's okay. I, um, well, verbal, I do verbal jiu-jitsu. That's, that's required verbal jiu-jitsu, verbal judo, yeah. yes. Exactly. Um, no, I come <laughs> I come from the law enforcement, law enforcement background. Um, I am a over a 30-year veteran of law enforcement. I'm still serving. Um, prior to that, I was a Marine. And, um, and then throughout those uh, multiple years, um, I had a variety of experiences between um, uh, SWAT and what we're more going to talk about, I think, today is uh, teaching and training active shooter response. Um, so that's kind of my, I guess, my forte, if you will. Okay. See, now that's really interesting. Um, in fact, I had a program. I think I've talked to Jason about this. I'm not sure, but I have with uh, several folks, including uh, Sheriff Johnson, our county sheriff here in Santa Rosa County, Florida, for those who want to know exactly where we are. Um, and that was a, a citizen uh, monitor, a citizen program, where it's, it's a higher level of training than obviously concealed carry, uh, but it's not like a sworn police officer. And so there's a lot of things we could do, and especially in an, you know, if you actually have a, an emergency active shooter situation, chances are you're going to have a concealed carry person there um, before you're going to have law enforcement, unless law enforcement just has to, happens to be there. Uh, and so anything I think we can do to improve, and I would be one of those folks that would take that. In other words, a modified course, you know, uh, in other words, see something, say something. I'm the guy who's going to say something. Okay, I'm one of those people. I'm the, you know, I did a Heimlich and saved someone in a restaurant years and years ago. I don't mind taking action. Uh, in an emergency. And so when it comes to something like an active shooter, you know, I'm going to be one of those people as well as other people who would be able to take action. So it'd be nice to have just an additional level of training for us so that we can be better at what we would consider our civic duty and responsibility. What do you think? Exactly. Exactly. And it's going to go far beyond, like you said, Greg, just Mm -hmm. the, um, you know, I attended a concealed carry permit course and I you know, qualified with my handguns, now I'm legal to carry. There's a lot mm-hmm. more that goes into an active shooter response that law enforcement, the military, and the civilian going through something like this um, should recognize. And, um, you know, one of the first things that comes to my mind is backdrop. And so when we say that, you think to yourself, okay, I've got a, a, a clear and discernible bad guy or bad girl with a firearm, and they're doing, you know, ongoing acts of violence, of deadly force towards mm-hmm. the citizens around me. Um, I need to take some sort of lawful action to stop this thing from happening by stopping the threat. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe I've got a great sight picture. I've got them completely in my, 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 my sights, and I've got a clear path between me and them. But what's behind them? You know, if you picture a school environment, you've got kids in a hallway, you've got a mall, you've got people in the food court or in your church, there's people in the pews. You can't just, you know, uh, randomly start firing at this person without accurate fire. And then also, 
understand the potential of those bullets may continue on traveling, and you don't want to add more carnage to this problem. So considering backdrop um, and, 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 and where those round placements are, good, accurate fire. Um, and then we could talk later, but it goes more into the fact of, okay, when everything is done and the dust settles, eventually law enforcement is going to be showing up. And when they show up, they're coming to a man with a gun call. And when they get there, you're the man with a gun now. And Greg yeah. has been the guy that saved the day, but when they get there, you're the one holding the gun. They only see a, just a, a five-minute segment of this picture, so how are you going to respond when they get there? So those tactics and those training things don't, just don't happen innately. Those are things that have to be taught and then practiced and then rehearsed over and over again so that you're, 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 you're solid on those things before they happen. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I have questions. A ton of questions for both of you and, and Jack. So I wanted to do that. And Jason, of course, feel free to, to jump in here anytime. Um, the, let's walk through. You know, I don't want to do gun laws. I, don't, I mean, I do it all the time. I don't want to do Second Amendment. I do that all the time. And obviously, these are critical. But what I want to do is kind of walk through. You know, and you can use me as an example. Now, hopefully, I'll be such a huge public figure soon that the police will go, "Oh, it's Greg. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, we're not there yet." Um, so, so until that happens. You know, I'm still, I'd be the guy with the gun. And so let's walk through from, from when you first, as a, as a citizen concealed carrying, this, I also like open carry too, we can talk about that as well. But the whole idea of, well, let's go through the sequence of events that happens from all of a sudden, oh no, there's somebody with a gun, you know, out there pointing at people to when they actually start shooting. So as, as a concealed carry holder, what, what, what goes in, into the mind? You know, how much denial, how much realization, how much this can't be really happening, how much I have to do something now. How, how does it work? Is it like psychological studies? Or what are you guys trained for uh, to train people into, into how this would actually work uh, or how it has worked? Right. So, you know, you started kind of talking about a little bit that denial first. And that's, that's, you're, you're bringing up a really good point because, okay. you know, someone that takes the responsibility to, to conceal carry a firearm, and, mm-hmm. and, and goes and does some good training and some good, you know, and buys good equipment and then practice rehearses, you know, they have to understand you're taking on a mindset. This is not just an if, this is a when. You've decided to carry a firearm to protect yourself and your mm-hmm. family from deadly force or from serious bodily injury. So, um, you know, you can't go through life saying, well, you know, I've done some preventative steps and so now I've prevented it from happening because then we get to that complacency part that you talk about and you start thinking that, well, it's not really going to happen to me. If you don't believe it's going to happen to you, why are you carrying a gun? Okay. Yeah. So you really have right. to go into this mindset, not with a paranoid side. There's a big, you know, fine line between paranoid and caution, but you have to mm-hmm. go into this mindset of a very cautious mindset, expecting the worst and, and then training for the best so that, you know, the outcome is as most positive as you can make it. It's already a bad situation. You can't stop it from happening or make it, you know, make it have not happened, but you can at least prevent it from going any further and mitigate it. So getting past that complacency, first of all, and then, you know, and then that assumption is, well, I'm sure everything is okay. You're walking through the mall, you hear that pop, pop, pop. It doesn't sound like in a movie. It sounds like just like, like somebody dropped something off a shelf or something. That mm-hmm. visual and awareness of thinking to yourself, okay, that, that sounded like gunfire to me. Don't just assume, oh, I'm sure it's not and go on about your day. You know, let's go and investigate this thing. But if you're with your family, you've already devised a plan. You know, my, my wife and kids know something like this happens. They know they rally, they leave, they go to the car. And they, you know, don't stay with me. That's, that's not where you want to be at. Um, if I can, I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to, you know, obviously report to 911. Um, 
And then uh, if I do have any kind of a badge or any kind of identifier that says I am a good guy, I'm going to try to display it as much as I can. But understand, during a shooting, nobody's going to probably see it, okay? So with that, then, as I'm approaching or investigating, if I've drawn my gun, I'm going to try to at least index or keep it relatively concealed where it's at the ready. But I'm not mm-hmm. running through the hallway with the thing sticking out in my arm, look, I, you know, looking like I'm trying to draw attention to myself. I don't want anyone to know I have it until I absolutely have to, you know, okay. because now you've reduced the chance of somebody else, maybe another concealed carry in the crowd, thinking you're where the gunfire just came from, you know. So that that idea of you know not betraying everything that you have or putting all your cards on the table, keeping that thing in tucked in tight, go and look and find out is everything okay. This might have been a law enforcement shooting. You get down there, there's two cops standing, there's a bad guy on the ground. Good, I could put my gun away and I never walked up, you know. Makes exactly. sense. No, in fact, we we need to do scenario training. It's something that you know, I was a flight instructor for years and years, and we always did that. You know, you train for emergencies. You know, you, you pull the engine on the student and say, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, so and it, it, right, it, right. It, there's no there's no substitute for for realism, but you only get so realistic. And just like, just as we didn't actually cut the engine to simulate an engine failure, you know, uh, and the same thing, you you can't you know you, we can't put people in live you know fire situations just to you know see how they're going to react and what's going to happen. So, but realistic training. Uh, you know, for concealed carry holders who wanted an additional level would be fabulous, I think. All right, let's get to... Um, and you can't to, understate yeah, that. You can't, really, you can't really understate that rule. And, and from the pilot mindset, Sully mm-hmm. uh, was the one who said he did years and years and years of training of exactly what you did, Greg, what you're talking about. And he said for all those training, all those flight simulators, all those patterns he did, he said, mm-hmm. I was putting, I was making deposits in the bank. Right. And so, but because, and he said for that one day when I had to make a withdrawal and I just hoped there was enough in there to cover it. And that's all Mm -hmm. that training, all that training is a deposit in the bank for that one worst thing in your life that ever happened. And you're betting that there's enough in there to withdraw to cover that check. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've always believed, uh, just because my life was, was kind of crazy, grew up in three different countries, you know, a lot of things happen, um, some very good, some not so good. I always believed that anything that could happen could happen to me. So I've always had that mindset because a lot of things did happen. Right. And so, and as an instructor, I've had gear fail. I had an engine quit. Um, I was in the clouds when the instruments went out. I've been in the clouds when the radios went out. You know, I've been there. <laughs> okay. So, so right, I know it can right. happen to me, but I also know I can deal with it. And so, so that's me in a rather right. unique position, but not a lot of folks have been tested. And it's, it's interesting that once you have been tested with whatever, you know, life emergency that you've had to face or hopefully, or not hopefully, but, uh, you know, if it happens to be, have been multiple, uh, it puts you in a different place, which is really interesting. All right, let's talk about jujitsu. Let's talk about martial arts because I'm watching this ad recently. There's, there's like, and the guy says, well, you know, in a real fight, you've got to fight dirty. You know, you can't, uh, uh, you can't fight fair. You know, martial arts are for tournaments, you know. Street fighting is for real life. And so how practical do you teach a very practical form of jiu-jitsu? Is there a competition form? Are they different? Where where do martial arts uh, play in our overall, you know, self-defense scenario? Yeah. So can you hear me? Yep. It's a little fuzzy. I'm getting a little background noise. So we want to leave that as much as possible. That's okay. Just shout like everybody else does. (laughs) I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mark. Martial arts is, is very it's very practical. Um, okay. The the key is to take the training that you get and internalize it and make it work for you. If what you do is a dance routine mm-hmm. and that's the way you internalize it, then yeah, you're going to have trouble applying that 
to a self-defense situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're given a kata and you train it over What's and over kata? and over. For those that don't know. Um, a kata is the sort of forms that you see. In jiu-jitsu, they're actually very, very short, and they and they require two people. You can think of it as just a technique to perform between two people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, oh, no, so I understand. Yeah. Gonna, Jason's going to grab on to me. I'm going to practice a particular way to get away. Okay. You know so we're I, audio. Nobody can see you. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's very unfortunate. Um, but 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 I'm going to practice I can make a video with you guys. I can, we can, I can drop uh, down with my camera. We can do Facebook Live. That's easy. We, can, we might uh, take you up on that. But we, okay. if you practice that a lot, uh-huh. and you practice it in a lot of different situations, and you get really good at it, and then you have Jason start doing different things, and you start practicing from different scenarios, you get pretty good at being able to, you know, just escape. You get pretty good at being able to lock him up. You get pretty good at being able to throw him. If he throws you, you get pretty good at being able to take a fall and get back up, and mm-hmm. so on and so on. So it, it, it really is It's about training it. It's about training it a lot. It's about being prepared. Uh, it's not, I mean, one class is better than no classes, but it, in my opinion, it's really good when you learn something to practice it because that's how you, that's how you prepare for, for the worst is by practicing it. And practicing it habitually. So, that's, talk, yeah, I want to actually both the same question, then we'll get Jason in on this. Uh, do you find that martial arts and shooting practice um, piggyback off each other? Is you know a similar mindset, similar discipline? <laughs> if you're more physically confident with yourself, does that make you more confident with a firearm in an emergency? And if you're more confident with a firearm, uh, does that give you a backup for your martial arts? You know, if things get worse, than martial arts you know can deal with. Let's let's get Bill, and we'll go back well, to Jack. Well, well, certainly, and that rep- repetition and training, like Jack's talking about, um, uh-huh. you know, a typical law enforcement officer when they start their initial training, they're going to be given a holster and a gun, and and they're not just going to say, okay, go out and figure it out type thing. They're going to uh-huh. draw from that holster with a training gun and then a real gun, thousands upon thousands of times, um, and then do it under low light situations, no light situations, with things in their hand under, you know different positions, laying down, sitting in a chair, till they get to the point, to point where they can do it innately without even, you know, thinking about it. Um, and, and in truth, they're training for something that in, in most cases, and percentage of time, is going to probably never happen in their career. They're going to have to draw that gun under fire, you know. Yeah, um, but. <laughs> but they get to that point where they can do it. They can do it without even thinking about it. And, and I know guys, and including myself, where, you know, something has happened, I've drawn my gun and had it on target, I didn't even didn't even remember doing it because it was just, it was instinctive. It's like when you scratch your face. Um, and that same thing goes for jujitsu. You know, if you have that kata that you've learned and you, and, you know, like Jack said, one class better, no class, but if you went to one class, you're not a jujitsu fighter. You know, I mean, you learn the kata, you go home and you teach your son how to do it. It's like, great. First of all, you're going to forget it next week. But until you go over and do it, like they said, multiple positions, multiple times, okay, I'm going to come from the back, now I'm going to come from the front, now I'm going to come from the side, and work it, all these different things, and constantly refresh your memory. When things really go sideways, I mean, look at it this way. Humans don't make good decisions under critical stress, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and pilots don't, you know, that's why, you know, flight emergencies are not emergencies to pilots. They just do all their mechanisms they know how to do because they're not under stress because they've seen this before. We call it mental blueprinting. I've mentally oh, put my mind through this before. 
you know. Uh-huh. And so yeah. um, it's not an emergency to me. My pulse rate's not going up. I'm just doing what I was trained to do. And so you want to get to that point of training where it's instinctive for you to respond that way because typically it's not instinctive to go fight people or to go run towards gunfire. That's, you know, mm-hmm. counterintuitive to what we've always done, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, uh, what I used to do as a flight instructor was train for things that weren't in the manual. You know, when I was doing multi-engine instruction, uh, you know, they always train for one engine going out. Well, I said to my, one of my advanced students one day, I said, what if both engines go out? Let's find out. <laughs> you know, so we idled both engines. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were up 6,000 so, feet. We had plenty of room. But we, the thing, it actually, as we worked it out, this is Cessna 310. And a 310 with the wheels up. Uh, and in both engines in, in glide mode, is such a sleek airplane. It actually glides better than a 172 Cessna, which is a single engine with the, the struts and the gear and everything else. But you've got to go faster. Uh, and so uh, what, what's, what is not taught, I think, enough is the creative thing. And as a flight instructor, I was you know, really, you know, I guess, infamous for teaching things that were unusual. We'd go into uh, situations where it was an actual, what they call a missed approach. In other words, you know you can't see the ground. You know you're not going to be able to land. We're going to do what's called an approach to the runway anyway, just to show what it looks like when you can't land. I mean, to me, that, that, that was some of the most invaluable training. So I think one of the places we fall short in both martial arts and firearms instruction is the, is the what if, you know, that we think can't happen. Because whatever you think can't happen, right. you're probably going right. to. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, gun failures, you know, the gun oh, malfunctions, yeah. and hopefully you're uh-huh. buying good equipment, you're buying good bullets, you're, you're betting your life on this equipment. Don't go buy yep. Bob's discount guns, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know. Sorry, but, Bob. but still, you know, things happen. Right. Sorry, Bob. Yeah. But, um, and so uh, training for those malfunctions and, you know, it's interesting about the mind is that, um, mm-hmm. the, the mind can't tell the difference between training and reality. Okay. So oh, when you're in a flight simulator, yeah. when you're, when you're in that flight simulator and, and, you know, someone stalls the engine as far as the training program, your pulse rate is beating, your sweat starts happening a little bit, your breathing starts going up a little bit. While there is absolutely no danger that you're going to crash into the ground in dirt dark, okay, but your mm-hmm. mind doesn't know the difference. It's actually going through all those motions, even though it's pure training, you're completely safe. You know, and so when we, we call a stress inoculations, when we, when we inoculate people to those stressful events like a gun jam during a firefight or a reload during a firefight or drawing on the, drawing on the run, um, you know, or fighting in the dark, you know, fighting, you know, edge defense with no edge, um, you know, like Jack does, then, um, you know, now it's not so, you know, we're not so alien to it when these things happen to us uh, because our mind says, well, I've been here before. This is okay. I can handle this, you know, as opposed to, I mean, you don't want the first time you respond to an active shooter situation to be the first time you've ever responded to an active shooter situation because you're not going to have any kind of a blueprint to go through that with. Right. Makes sense. I don't take offense by this, but you really sound like a cop. <laughs> you got that. You got that, cop, you got that cop voice. Well, I think I'm talking to law enforcement. Hey, well, how do you know? Well, he sounds like one. He's got that that, that demeanor. So if you come up to me and said license and registration. Please, I, have a pair of mirror, right I have a pair of mirror sunglasses I can put on too if you want me to. So. Well, this, again, you guys, you don't get it. This is radio. <laughs> Nobody can see you, but you can make a video. We'll work on that too. All right. So let's. On that note. Uh, Jason, I promise I'll get you in a minute, but I'm having much too much fun with your guests. So let's go to Jack here. And, and martial arts, uh, Bill raised an interesting point about edge weapons, knives. People have no concept how dangerous these things really are. You know, it, don't you guys watch samurai movies? You know, don't, didn't you see Three Musketeers? You know, come on. Edge weapons are hugely dangerous. And people, I think, underestimate um, the power of, of, a, of a knife or even a sword. You know, I'd love to carry a katana one day. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, Jack? Yeah, no, edge, edge weapons are very dangerous. 
uh, you want to you want to see the effects of that, just look at what happens in the ER. People come in all up. It's it's pretty hideous. We we do train we do train weapons defense mm-hmm. um, against a knife against a gun. I think those are probably the most practical because of you know just what people get their hands today. Um, we also do katana defense. That's that's not as practical because mm-hmm. I I mean I I don't know about you but I I've never actually been attacked with a katana. Um, but no, most people don't carry one. I would, but I'm different. Most, as most you all know already. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I welcome to Florida. Um, so, so yeah, but but um, to, to kind of uh, go back to the the point you asked before uh-huh. um, about the confidence transferring from firearms to martial arts um, and how similar the two are. Um, the, the two things I want to point out on that: the first is the the word martial. These are martial arts. Martial goes back to the word Mars, right? The the god of war. The, okay. They're all war war-oriented art. That's where they come from, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. It wasn't someone, you know, that... It wasn't like someone wrote a story and, you know, they wrote a martial arts system. These are techniques that came from survivors of war. Um, and so, you know, saying that I do martial arts and I shoot, in my opinion, is a little bit repetitive. Um, the other thing is, if if you do martial arts, it, it does not automatically transfer to holding a gun. You need to train it. You need to train holding the gun. You need to train holding the knife. You need to train what you're doing with your body. Right. If you don't for a gun. So I think I think that that's incredibly important. I think it's incredibly useful. I think it's incredibly valuable. And I think it's worthy. And I think it's worth training. So that's why I train it. Yeah. I'm getting background noise, so I know you've got two of you on the same line. You absolutely have to be quiet um, for the next little bit while we're doing this. Otherwise, it's not going to be as clear, and I want your voices to be clear, because you're saying some really important things, both of you. Um, I got our, 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 text, uh, our, our live chat person from Holland is text in. If your attacker has a knife and is 30 feet away from you, he will be next to you faster than you can draw your gun. Uh, let's go to Bill and then Jack on that. 30 feet? Sound reasonable? Well... So 30 feet, probably the 21 foot is always the rule that I've understood, okay? So mm-hmm. inside of 21 foot, um, edge weapon defense, um, you know, my first response is obviously going to be a firearm. Um, mm-hmm. But what we're taught is if they're 21 feet or in, the average person can close that gap, and, you're, and you're, the texture is correct. They can probably close that gap inside of the time that it takes the average cop to draw their firearm, which is we're talking about a second point four maybe. Um, you know, so with that, the way you respond to that is that, you know, I'm not a statue either, okay, so I can move, you know, so that 21-foot rule gives that, um, you know, I'm visually acute to them, I see it happening because you have that auto loop, that decision-making process as well, I got to recognize there's a knife, recognize he's coming after you, make an observation, make a decision, and then act, and that act takes that 1.4 seconds, but in that period of time, if I stand as a statue, yeah, I'm probably going to get cut before I get rounds on target, okay? So what I can do to then to thwart that or to at least mitigate that is I can move too, correct? So I'm not going to stand still. I can what we call step off the tracks. You step sideways, you sidestep. Now they have to change direction to get to you. So now it's not just that straight run on. I can start backstepping to give me a little bit more time in that 1.4-second draw time, okay? 
I can be proficient with my holster and my firearm so that I can draw and fire what we call fire from the holster. I'm not bringing it up to eye level. I can fire from the hip um, and start getting rounds on target, which is going to disrupt this attack. And that's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to kill anybody. I'm trying to stop the threat and disrupt the attack. Um, so you're, the, the, the writer is correct, okay? If someone is generally that 21-footer in and they, and they decide they're going to close on you, a good physical person is going to be able to close that before, you know, in that in that second half before you can probably get a gun out. And that's sort of now you think I got to do something else to just to make that distance time as my friend thing happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Europe, unfortunately, they can't own firearms because they don't have, you know, the rights in government that we do. So we have to, that's one of the things I want to work on is, is European firearms rights. We already have a bill of rights for Australia uh, that, that's starting to make the rounds, too. So the, the effect of the show is growing fast. So it's S-C-I-E-N-I-D-E-77 is the person who's texting us um, from, uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking. <laughs> we have a lot of work to do. Uh, in, fact, in fact, Bill and Jack, I'd love to have you both back separately just because it, it's, uh, it's almost like I can't get all the questions for each one of you that I have. Let's bring Jason in. So tell me about your guests. Tell me what's going on in your ground. Tell me what's happening here. And then, I, of course, I have more questions for these, these two uh, amazing gentlemen that you have brought to the show. Jason, your turn. Absolutely. Good morning. And Bill, thank you for being on here. Uh, I've been knowing Bill for several years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're a little I quiet. Was... we got some background I'm noise. Sorry? We've got to get you closer to the phone. Yeah. Because there's too much difference in volume was... between you and Bill. All right. We took that off the speaker. How's that? That's better. So I was privileged to take a course from Bill uh, okay. at the St. Petersburg College uh, for critical incident planning for faith-based organizational staff. Uh-huh. Um, what we do is we've talked about where we are teaching uh, church security, corporate security. Bill's knowledge, uh, he put together this wonderful, um, uh, shall we say, class training. And he is helping me so that we, we can keep moving with what his knowledge is, what my knowledge is, combined for our area, and teach and train these schools and other events, be mass shootings, um, you have horrific storm events, things as such. What happens when the community that's supposed to assist rebuilding becomes mm-hmm. ground zero for the disaster? Uh, so that's how I know Bill, and he is just a world of knowledge. Um, so Jack is an amazing instructor uh, when it comes to jiu-jitsu. Um, I, of course, am a Krav Maga instructor where it is a self-defense technique, his is a fighting style, right, a martial art. So there's a little bit of a difference. And everything that he talked about, about firearms going hand-in-hand hand with martial arts, it absolutely does. Um, he got to come in and train. As, as you know now, I'm a K-licensed instructor here in Florida, so we teach armed security classes. And it's the same curriculum that law enforcement gets. They have to learn the same use of force. They have to do the low-level light shooting. They have to be able to shoot at the same distances and get a specific score. Um, I tell everyone, uh, just as the 21-foot rule is, 21-foot is based off of law enforcement being able to get their firearm out of their holster in that time that it takes to cover that 21 feet. If you're mm-hmm. a concealed carry, you've got clothes to deal with. You've got a different holster to deal with. What happens when you pull that thing and that holster comes with you? You've got a problem. <laughs> What yeah. happens when your gun jams or when it doesn't fire? We had someone shooting the other day. They're, they had a brand new gun, and their firing pin broke on the second shot. Wow. 
is like, you've got to be kidding. Was it from Bob's? So you go to tap was it from Bob's gun shop? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was from Bob's guns. Bob it sold Bob's that gun. Yeah, Bob's discount got This tap rack. Works first time, only time. Move. Sorry. <laughs> no, we, we try and teach everybody, and Jack can testify to this, that just because you have a firearm doesn't mean you, you can depend on it. The one-shot, one-kill rule that you typically would hear from all these, you know, snipers and things and such, that is simply stated that you get one shot. That round goes off, your gun may not work again. You better know something else. If you can switch over to hand-to-hand combat, that's a tool in the tool belt, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of things in Krav that some students can't do. There's a lot of things in Jiu-Jitsu that some students can't do. So we try and modify and help that. Um, I'm armed because at a distance, I can't do anything, right? Mm. I can't defend. I can't help. Um, but if I'm up close and personal with you, you're in trouble. Knife weapons, blade, edge weapons, tell everybody, you're going to get cut. You're going to get stabbed eventually if you're in a knife fight and you're not armed as well. Learn what you need to do to try and avoid that and make that situation not as bad as it's going to be take control of that thing as quickly as possible and the fight. Um, All these different things that we're training over and over, it takes 2,000 times of doing something before it becomes natural. doesn't mean you're going to count one, two, three, four. No. It means you've got to do that and then react instinctively. As far as active shooters, I teach all my students, you're in Walmart. Something goes wrong. You hear that gunfire. What do you do? Do you crouch and wait and, and you protect yourself? Or are you going to advance the subject? If so, this class where you got your concealed weapons permit is just the start. You need to come back to me. We will train. If you want to do that, we will train you to the tip of the spear. Uh, you know, so let's let's do it. That's the thing that we need is that training. Yeah, let me just jump in here for a second because I think we're all talking about a shooting scenario when, once the shots have been fired. But I think there's a, there's a different time. There's a time uh, when someone appears with a rifle, yeah, especially in law enforcement. You know, you have, you, you have to have a justifiable use of force. So I think as citizens we do too. If someone brings out a gun and it turns out to be the, the toy rifle that they picked up for their kid that looks like a, uh, uh, a water pistol or that you know, looks like a real gun but it's actually a water pistol, you know, there's a determination time that goes in there too. And this goes with the denial. A, it's not happening. B, it's not a real gun. This is before the shooting even starts. You know, and, and that's, a, that's a, the, that response, the idea that you have to, and you have to do it because you don't want to draw your gun on somebody that's, that's holding, you know, something that, that may look like a gun but really isn't. But on the other hand, you can't assume that until you know. So all these doubts, all these things are going to play into people's mind uh, as to what to do and what not to do. And so let me, let's go to Bill and then Jack on this. Then I got a uh, jujitsu question for, uh, for Jack. Bill, what do you think? Okay, so I'm going to cautious myself about the legal advice part because I'm not a lawyer. I'm far too smart for that, okay? But, <laughs> yeah, me too. But with I'm that, though, what I you're talking about. <laughs> don't let it hold you back. I actually did much. finish school, so. <laughs> but, okay. um, but what you're talking <laughs> you about is that, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that idea that, okay, I see someone, you know, holding a gun point at somebody. They're in an aggressive stance. Um, they have what appears to me to be a gun. What you're going to be judged on okay, is what you knew at the time. You're not going to be judged on hindsight, all right? So later on, we find out, well, it was a pellet gun. There were two kids playing, okay? Well, Mm -hmm. what the reasonable, prudent person knew at the time is what you're going to be judged on, okay? Okay. So if you, and that's where, you know, really the onus becomes on you to take sound training when it comes to your concealed weapons permit and firearms training afterwards 
you know, places like the Jason offers to mm-hmm. be able to articulate what you saw, what you felt, what you recognized as a as a deadly force threat. Because in the state of Florida, you can use deadly force to protect mm-hmm. yourself or others against a threat of serious bodily injury or death. And so, if you see something like that, and you can articulate that. Um, you know, what you saw was someone about to be shot and killed or shot and seriously injured. You don't have to wait for it to happen to take action, okay? Right. <clears throat> now, we know life happens. Life is messy. You know, in that case you're talking about, oh, well, they had a, it was a, it was a pellet gun, okay? But what you're going to be judged on is what you knew at the time, though, okay? And mm-hmm. bottom line is, bad decision on that person. They brought a pellet gun to a gunfight. You know, I don't mean to be callous about it. But that's what you're going to be judged on, though, is what you knew at the time, not the hindsight. Um, good observation skills, good awareness skills. I mean, you, God forbid, you don't want to see another concealed carry permit holding somebody at gunpoint, you know, because they took action. They got there before you. And you're so breaking up just a little bit, Bill. I don't know if you've moved or something. You just start breaking up a bit. Okay. I'll be a little bit more careful. Um but, you know, like I said, Let's you don't have to be that that shows. <laughs> Talk from where you were 30 <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> okay. okay. So you don't want to be that person that right. um, that shoots, the, you know, that, that shows up to the scene second and shoots the good guy. So yeah. taking some good assessment time, some good threat assessment time, and evaluating the situation, um, you know, before you, you send those rounds down range because there's, you, you can't bring those back once they're gone. Um, yeah. You know, that a little bit of time for that awareness is, is valuable time. To, I, I, and I have a little bit of advantage over this, too. I actually was uh, in customs really, uh, before it became harmless security. This is right after 9-11. They, they, looked, they needed people right away. And, you know, and uh, uh, I didn't serve in the military younger. Um, I, probably, I think I should have. It's one of those regrets. But uh, when I did get in, uh, we were like nine weeks of training. And then they brought in all these super agents with like nine months of training. So it, it was kind of a, a temporary thing. Unfortunately, then they told me I was too old. But one of the things we did, which I particularly was rather good at, was scenario training. Uh, house clearing, things like that, and also um, the the movies that they show, you know, the shoot no shoot decisions, and it's it was quite fascinating um, the way it goes. So, for people that don't have any kind of advanced training like that, uh, is their body language? How would people recognize somebody that's just, you know, that they're they're not a threat, but they might be holding something that looks like a gun? Is there is there any kind of body language that someone who's actually going to do it has that they're sort of telegraphing ahead of time? Uh, that someone might be able to pick up on. So let me give you the best visual that I can describe over the radio. Um, okay. We've all seen probably the uh, the gang style shooting on TV where somebody holds a gun high in the air with a bent wrist and sideways, and they're <laughs> doing the drive-by picture. Sure the, 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 the bad, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, that we call it the yeah. Detroit Lean, right? So it's the, you know, it's like nobody nobody professional shoots a gun that way, right? Right. So if you see somebody standing there, no matter who they are, and your bad guy could be anybody, it could be a girl, it could be a kid, it could be an adult, it could be a male, it could be a female, um, right. you know. But um, so you know, it, they're they're holding that gun in that style, and they're in that aggressive stance, and they're doing a lot of uh, trash talk, maybe or something like that. Probably is your bad guy, okay? You yeah. see somebody in a in a in an offset stance or what we call a weaver stance, two hands in the gun directly pointing towards somebody using professional loud verbal commands. I'm a concealed carry permit. I'm a police officer. Stop what you're doing. Get on the ground. That's probably your good guy, you know? Okay. And so if you're the good guy, 
you don't want to look like the Detroit lean guy, right? You know, and so you're going to telegraph a lot of things with the body, like you're saying, Greg, of, um, of, of you know, what, what side of this, you know, game you're on here. Um, and that second person showing up or that third person showing up, you're going to try to be visually aware of those type of things, you know, um, looking around. Is there a gun on the ground? Is there someone else on the ground? You know, so he's pointing off or she's pointing off at somebody on the ground. I mean, listen, one of our one of our more serious active shooter events that happened in the U.S. that everybody forgets about was a 16-year-old female with a rifle and against an elementary school in California. Um, and and nobody pictured about when they when they pictured the bad guy. Nobody pictured a 16-year-old girl with a rifle. They always picture some bad guy with a knit cap and a scar on his face. You know, yeah, well your bad yeah. guy always doesn't fit your profile that you want it to fit, right? So. You got to be understanding of that too, that that awareness and that you know that that constant vigilance, that um your bad guy could be anybody, you know. Interesting. What about um, Jack? Uh, are the things that you learn in martial arts, body stance, body language, telegraphing of intentions ahead of time, anything like that? Hey, can you Jack? hear me? Yep. All you right. are on the air live. Uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a uh, we we've had it on uh, mute what so we can have it on speaker and listening. So mm-hmm. yeah, so the, uh, there's a absolutely a component of um, humanity that you have to consider when you know when we're doing these things. We we all know what it what it feels like to be angry. We all know what it feels like to be in you know a, a kind of a darker place. Um, Someone on the show earlier mentioned doing verbal jiu-jitsu, and I, I, it that was, was me. kind of lighthearted. But man, <laughs> this is my man, talk show host coming out again. That, yeah. yeah, that's a real, that's a real, you know, skill to to be able to develop. Um, and you know, all of this stuff. It, it, I mean, we're in a really, really bad situation if we've already pulled a gun. You know, yeah. can you talk them down first? Can you can you connect with them first? Can you can you keep that from ever? escalating up to that point um so that yeah that's that's definitely a component that we discuss and we talk about um the 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 people the 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 man who founded this the system that i teach and all of my teachers men and women Mm -hmm. of all ages um i you know they they say this and i completely agree with it you use jujitsu every day there are conflicts you run into every day you know, there are things that happen every day that could get worse or because of you, they could get better. So that's that, you know, that's my two cents in on that. No, I, listen, um, I, I, also, I'm with you totally. I'm the, uh, the, I'm the Bruce Lee philosophy, you know, be the river, not the rock. You know, rocks crash into each other, yeah. crumble and fall apart. That's kind of stupid. You know, find the other way, find the other path. You know, we don't, if you listen to uh, a lot of the way I talk to guests who disagree with me on the show. Uh, so, I mean, I do practice verbal jujitsu. I ask a lot of questions, kind of, especially listen to yesterday, the second hour. Uh, in, I had another talk show host from Blog Talk Radio call me, and they'll do that because they want my audience. <laughs> you know, it's like, wrong show. <laughs> wrong, wrong guy to mess with. Anyway, but it's kind of, but I don't, I don't openly conflict. I don't argue directly. I, I do uh, a lot of different things to get people talking, and they kind of, you know, dig their own little traps for themselves. And it's very interesting, and I'm sure that uh, if I was in a combat situation, hopefully I would do that, with not antagonizing, but maybe disarming, maybe saying, you know, hoping to promote the futility of the situation or, or the, the, so the resignation, you don't want to do this kind of thing. Um, I think that would be a big part of it. So, 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 you know, it's almost like you need a psych course along with your martial arts course. Jack, what do you think? 
Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's implicit. It's it's implicit. It's it's okay. a very specific uh, flavor of of um, conversation and, and connecting with people. So okay. yeah, I, I I agree though. If if you have access to a psychology course, it, yeah, definitely go for it. Well, um, you know, something, something that, that, I want to I want to <laughs> tack one more thing onto that. By the way, sure. A lot of the conversations that we're having, a lot of the things Bob and Jason are saying, you know, this sort of, you know, you draw the line, you put it on the line, and that's how it is, blah, 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 blah. It's it's really, really good. It's really, really important. But it's it's also important to point out that there's no – this isn't, you know, a macho-only field, right? This, Mm -hmm. This is open to everybody. There's no age cap on this. I've trained and been trained by 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, right? Mm-hmm. I've been on the mat yeah. with 80-year-olds that can, you know, kick my I, – I, what's the rating <laughs> on their show? <laughs> that's got that's kind of – well, you um, can say kick your butt. And, it's okay, but uh, – Yeah, <laughs> there kind you of go. Funny, and and I, you know, yeah. I myself started – you know, I started when I was very young. I was 9 or 10, so right. – and I've trained with men. I've trained with women. There, there's this is this is this needs to be for everybody. This is for everybody. What we do is for everybody. So yeah. I wanted to I think highlight I might be that myself. Well. Uh, this sounds interesting. Um, I want to get to Jason's classes. He's teaching uh, on the weekends and things. But I got one more question, uh, Jack, for you. In in uh, firearms, uh, we have what we call the use of, and, and Bill knows about this, the use of cover. In other words, using the things around you uh, in your self-defense to protect yourself. You know, there's concealment where you're hidden and there's cover where you're actually, it's a barrier to being, to being shot. There's something between you and the other person. Do you teach uh, the equivalent, what, what's the equivalent of cover in jiu-jitsu? And do you train to use things around you? You know, chairs, tables, uh, pillars on the wall, uh, you know, doors, doorways. You know, do you, do you bring into martial arts training um, whatever the martial arts, and I never thought about this so just now, the martial art equivalent of cover? Yeah, body shield. <clears throat> okay. Human, human shield. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, we, we definitely train using your environment to your advantage, uh, particularly okay. in weapons. The cell phone, cell phone is a weapon I always have on me. How's that? Um, as, as for who you can call or, or, or does it, you know, does it stop a phone? No, no, uh, no teasing it's you. a weapon. Yep, no, it's a weapon. Come in, it I'll is. show you how to use a cell phone. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, that was that was my that was my primary weapon in in high school. You know, because people, people, you know, you're holding your phone, nobody thinks anything. If you know how to use your phone, you can do it quickly and get away. Uh, the throat um, comes to mind. <laughs> this is the first thing I'm thinking of, but uh, yeah. But anyway, you can we can explain more detail later. But yeah. As, huh. as for as for hiding hiding behind things and 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 uh-huh. concealment and you know for and cover for for reaching for your firearm, that's, um, I would, I would insist that that specializes a little bit more in what Jason teaches and okay. Jason it, it is absolutely teaching it. And I'm sure he'd be, you know, well, let's get him on. He'll be, you know, yeah, let's you're, get him you're on. his guest. So we haven't heard from the, from the, from our host yet for a bit. Of course, Jason can come anytime. You know, I'm hoping to get him for on, on for a weekly report anyway. Jason, what do you think? Everything that uh, you're talking about there as far as covering concealment, yes, we absolutely do teach that. Um, okay. It's something that is a thought process even in the beginning. You have to know what is covering concealment. If you're just behind a door, that's not – depending on the door, of course, it's not going to withstand a bullet, right? That's just concealment. Okay. Um, where are you going to be at uh, to construction such as we teach in the home defense, out of the home defense? If you're in a public place, 
building construction, learn a little bit of things about where you can actually get some sort of cover from a structure. Uh, your vehicle, what are the, the points on a vehicle that will take multiple strikes from large caliber firearms? Uh, those are things to look at. And then as far as weapons, absolutely. With Krav Maga, we teach you everything is a weapon. It doesn't matter whether it's your shoe, a rolled up uh, newspaper. It does not matter. Use your keys as a distraction. Mm-hmm. You, in the end, of course, with Krav, we teach you you are the weapon. So everything else is just a tool to keep you working. You know? Yeah, I think this, this probably whole self-defense around keys. You know, I've often thought that if I had a situation, I'd, I could probably gain a few seconds by throwing my keys at somebody, you know, especially in their face, you know, just because they're right there. And I don't think people think about that. If, if we could train crowds to, to throw all their keys, you might be able to actually uh, um, slow down a shooter and gain some time. So all that stuff applies. The, it's really, I mean, it's a whole fascinating art to this. Uh, let's talk about your class before natural, we get too far. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The, yeah. The natural instinct of people whenever something is coming at them or towards them is to either deflect or catch. It's just a natural reaction. Yeah. You go up to somebody and just toss it to them walking down the street, they're going to look up, they're going to put their hands out. It's a natural reaction. So mm-hmm. you train, train, train to do something like that, and you gain that split second. Uh, it is what's called a pause in combat, just like pepper spray okay. is designed for uh, tasers. Uh, they're designed to cause pain compliance or a pause in combat. And that's mm-hmm. what you're looking for is you're in to survive. Okay. Well, let's talk about your classes and anything else you want to announce. And, uh, and then I, want, I have an open carry question for, for everybody. Um, okay. So, Jason, what you got going on this weekend and what you have every weekend? And all your classes, let's hear them. Well, let's see here. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we have the wonderful Jack teaching the uh, jiu-jitsu classes there starting at 630 and going till about 745, 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, we, of course, are teaching the Krav Maga classes starting at 6 o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays, going till about 7. That's mm-hmm. our level one. That's our beginner classes. Our concealed weapons classes are on Saturdays starting at 10 o'clock in the morning. They take about four hours, give or take, and that's the minimum that we do. Um, we do the laws, the do's, the do nots, the whys and why nots, and a lot of scenario based, and of course the firearm safety portion of it with our Florida statutes. Uh, and then, of course, you have to active live fire shoot. We don't use uh, airsoft or, or paintball or a BB gun. You're, you're firing live weapons. That's our job is to make sure that you can hit that target consecutively, consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, our security guard training classes are really doing really well right now. It has amazed me how many people are going into this industry at this point in time. Uh, of course, we train unarmed security for their D license here in the state of Florida, and then their G license if they're going to take it further to become an armed guard. Um, those classes are just tremendous, and they if I had to ask any student of mine as far as concealed weapons, I would actually like for them to sit through that 28- to 30-hour course and do the advanced level, the same stuff that we're teaching for security and law enforcement. So that's exciting. Our range, of course, is under construction. We are Uh running behind schedule with everything that happened with the holidays and the building department, as you know. But Uh our range is coming. We are so excited to have that. Um, And our store is just... We had some really good sales, Greg. Uh, we hope to restock soon. But if I can admit to anything, there's a lot of firearms out there right now that you just can't get. They're out of stock 
from our vendors that we get them from. Why is uh, that? So Wait, what do you think is going on in the market? Is it just that people are suddenly realizing that the police have been defunded and that uh, you know things are not what they appear and that liberal cities are falling apart? They're becoming you know Babylon, Rome, anarchy, and people are like, oh, you to know. To be honest, to yeah. be perfectly no, honest. No, lie to me. We're not, no, go ahead, be honest. Since we're not married, I won't lie to you, okay? Okay, fine. Um, Thank you. Appreciate so, that. Like <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I've known each other for a while, so uh, we, we do this a lot. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. A number of people approach me and tell me that they just don't, you know, they realize that they're going to have to be on their own, that they're going to have to make that decision. Um, I had a an elderly lady talk to me in the bank yesterday. Uh-huh. Says she's she hated firearms, but now she realizes there's a need for it. She can see it. She doesn't like that there's a need for it, but she wants to get trained. Um, the weapons, the firearms that are out there, people are purchasing them. They're hopefully getting trained. That is my biggest thing. We have the right to own weapons and carry them in this country. Mm -hmm. Folks, please get trained. Uh, Learn how to use that thing properly. Um, I see so many people that come through the class that have already had some sort of training, and they go, "Um, I don't know how to load my gun. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) We got a problem. Yeah. Well, and this is something, so, uh, and we haven't talked to Bill or Jack about this because they're new to the show, but for a long sure. time I felt that it would be nice to have from the, the manufacturers uh, like an hour of training including in the purchase, included in the purchase of any firearm. Because not only do you have to get to know guns, you have to get to know your gun. And they're different. I mean, I spend a lot of time with them. You know, me, just for practice, every time uh, I, I come home after concealed carrying, you know, I draw my gun as if it's a real scenario just to make sure I can draw it fast. And if it snags for a second, it's like, oops. Let's practice that, you know. So to me, I'm the nerd that always goes through these things. I, I walk through, you know, stores and shopping places and go, what if? You know, I'm in the parking lot. What if? I'm, I, you know, it's, it's the old flight instructor that comes out. You're always running scenarios in your head. But I know most people don't do that because they're just not in that mindset. Um, but it would be nice if the, like the, either the gun manufacturers or the stores or even you guys, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's something to think about that uh, a lesson with a firearms purchase might be a nice benefit. Oh, got them all silent on that one. So we'll jump in. <laughs> yeah, don't, um, don't talk at once. Yeah, it's yeah. A, the, the <laughs> um, you know, that's not a bad idea, really, Greg. That the um, mm-hmm. because there is some uniqueness depending on what kind of a firearm you're carrying. You know, some mm-hmm. are much more complex than others. You know, with decocker, with safeties, and double action versus single action. And you know, some people listening right now might be thinking, "What in the world is he talking about?" You know, and so, um, you know, not every gun, you know, whether it be a revolver or a semi-automatic, you can't just pick it up and pull the trigger and expect it's going to go bang. You know, if you have a semi-automatic, if it doesn't go bang, pulling the trigger again is not going to accomplish anything except for wasting time. You know, a revolver, it will. And so knowing those different things about those, at least the basics about, hey, here's how to roll the windows down. Here's how to set the car alarm. I mean, we do it when we get our car. We go through all those mechanisms. We're, we're probably a little bit irresponsible when we do with those firearms to make sure we understand all these things do, and also fixing malfunctions um, and then disassembling assembly and proper cleaning and maintenance because again that's a you know that's a big component too. Make sure that equipment is operational and ready to go when you use it because it may sit around for years before you ever actually have to use it. Um, so I think you might be onto something there. Whether or not any of those big you know big names want to jump into. Um, you know, uh, hiring people to do all that training, I, I couldn't even tell you how many dollars, well, like you know, you know the, guns the are right here. Like 
the wholesalers can work with the retailers. Retailers can do it on their own if they want. I mean, it, you know, it's a free country. Whoever comes up with an innovation, I think it'd be a great marketing technique. You know, you know, right, come to stand right, your ground. Right. Uh, we provide a lesson with the purchase of a firearm, for example. I know stores that say that they'll pay the sales tax for you or people will do other things. I think uh, as, as a marketing purely marketing technique, besides the fact that we greatly increase the safety out there, of saying, yes, come to our store. We provide a lesson with your new firearm as an option or, you know, or whatever, you know, and something that's uh, right, as, right. As, as a service to, you know, everybody. I mean, this, this you know, I, I know Jason's listening. So I've, I've told him this before, too, uh, but I think that would be, would be a huge help. Okay, we've got five minutes left. Uh, Jason, is there anything we haven't covered that you want to? And obviously, you know, I'd love to have all three of you back. Uh, because we, I'm just beginning to ask my questions. Uh, Jason? No, sir. I think you've done a great job of running this show. I appreciate oh, it. Um, I am thankful again for our guests that's here as far as Jack and Bill. Uh, it's good to see them and hear them both. Mm-hmm. And at this time, my friend, uh, Greg, I'm going to back out of the show. Gre- uh, Jack will still be here and Bill will still be here, but I've got to get set up for a class at the moment. Okay. Which one? Uh, we've got a student doing her G course for her arm security. Um, okay. She's got a recall, but she missed her date, so she's got to do the entire class again, not just four hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Good. But listen, it's got to be thorough. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me let me tell folks, uh, stay in your ground. Um, I, I've, told, I've talked about before. Well, Jason, before you go, what's the address? Cause I, I don't remember it offhand. Where are you? That's going to that's gonna be 6632 Elba Street. Here in Milton, Florida, uh, zip is three two five seven zero. We are directly behind Regions Bank, which is across from the Steakhouse, which everybody in this area knows what the Steakhouse is. Oh yeah, Texas uh, We are just yeah. blocks away from the beautiful Blackwater River, and uh, it's a, a great place to be. Phone number? That number is going to be eight five zero seven eight nine, and the best number ever one seven seven six. There you go. Uh, if you missed it, we have a podcast. Be... <laughs> go ahead, sorry. Yeah. Give the email. <laughs> uh, of course, our uh, email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Uh, they can Google us, find us, get in touch with us any way they can, and we'd be glad to help uh, educate and keep moving on from there. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for bringing these two uh, gentlemen to the show. I really appreciate it. All right. Absolutely, Tony. Greg. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Let me um, tell everybody what else is going on there. It's, it's for those that are in the, the Milton, Florida area. And I know we're nationwide. I know we're international. And so I really feel sorry for the folks that uh, have had gun rights taken away uh, or in places that never had gun rights because there's a freedom. There's a sense of citizenship. There's an empowerment. There's this, you know, I mean, when I was in California, uh, not being able to carry a gun, I felt like a partial citizen. Uh, whereas in Florida, I can and so it's different, but open carry is like a whole different world. Uh, I've got Chief Dan Skyhorse on the line. I'll bring him on in just a second here uh, as we're going to move into our next hour. But let's just talk uh, with, with the gentleman, gentleman that are still here, Jack and Bill. Open carry. I'm a big believer in it because I want to see the normalization of firearms on people who are non-government. So people get used to the idea that, that seeing a gun on a citizen is just as normal as seeing a gun on, on a law enforcement officer or a government official or things like that. Uh, let's go, Bill, first, and then Jack, and then um, any other closing comments we have. Bill? Interesting approach, Greg, and I haven't ever heard it explained that well, and I like the way you Welcome explained back to radio. that. <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> well, in that, in that normalization, you know, of the, uh, of the open carry, 
I can tell you, I, I travel, and I was um, I was in Blue Ridge, Georgia, where they open carry. And I, when I got there, I didn't know that. You know, I know I, I'm carrying. Um, you know, but I don't go buy milk without a gun on me. But um, but I don't open carry. Um, and so um, I get there and I see this, you know, 19 year old kid or whatever he was, park his little car and go into the gas station. He's got a, a decent size, you know, semi auto on his hip. And I was like, wow, that's unusual to me because in my area. That's very alien. Um, <laughs> and then I saw it was, you know, we were at the cider mill later and some thing. 70. Yeah. yeah. And so, thing, uh, I know what's going on by her. You can't carry good. <laughs> and so uh, later on, I see an old guy carrying a, a pretty good looking 1911 on his hip. And I'm impressed uh-huh. with a gun. And again, I don't see anyone screaming or running for cover. And I realize, oh, we're open carry here. And everybody's just acting fine. You know, nobody is going crazy. Everything's normal, like you said. And it yep. kind of normalizes that where it's not so shocking when we see it. You know, of course, we see our soldiers and our, and our police officers walking all the time with a gun displayed. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no danger. The things don't explode. They don't go off. They don't jump up and shoot anybody by themselves, you know. And, um, and as long as everybody behaves, it's going to stay right where it's at, right? Um, so that's an interesting approach, and I, and I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, personally, um, I, I think personally I would stick with a concealed carry for myself and perspectives change. Mm-hmm. I might change like I have before. Um, but because for me, at least in my area, um, you know, it's not common to see a citizen open carry. In fact, it's very unusual. Um, it's a crime. And, um, and the other part well, of it is, is I don't always want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and right I, yeah. The other part of it is I don't always want to telegraph to somebody who uh-huh. I am before I absolutely have to. Kind of like what I was telling you before about the actor shooter scenario. Maybe right. I don't want to bring that thing out and show everybody right off the bat exactly what it is. Um, I want to keep a couple of secrets behind the scenes until I absolutely have to use them, right? And so yeah. concealing is I know in my mind I'm ready, I'm prepared. Um, I don't, you know, I, I do win scenarios all the time too, just like you do that blueprinting mindset type thing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't really want to advertise sometimes, you know. I mean, you can be the baddest guy around. You don't have to tell everybody you're the baddest guy around, you know. And if you are telling everybody you're the baddest guy around, maybe you're really not that bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The loudest is the, the toughest guy is not the loudest. Uh, it's, it's the it's the short, wiry guy in the corner, the special force. He's the one that will kill you. That's <laughs> the scary guy. That's the guy. Yeah, exactly. It's the quiet one that sits there looking around. You know, stands in the corner, all angles defended. Yeah. Um, the reason that I brought this up is because there is a trade-off. The trade-off between uh, having people see with a firearm and having the risk of it being taken versus the normalization uh, of society getting used to everybody with a firearm. And I think the trade-off is worth it. And so when we get open carry in Florida, I'm going to open carry. Of course, I may have a concealed firearm too. See, people don't people forget mm-hmm. that just because you know you're open carrying doesn't mean all your firearms are open carry. I mean, what if I you know I, I could right, uh, just right. as easily conceal like I'm doing now, uh, just in case. Um, but the other the other reason for open carry is because a lot of people do not conceal because they're worried about their firearm being exposed. They're worried about it printing on their shirt. You know, oh, it looks like a gun out there. You know, there's still a few pounds there, you know. So people are reluctant to carry. And I think open carry would actually open up a lot more concealed carry. That's why I asked the question. Right, right, right. And as far as Jack goes, um, mm-hmm. he has to keep his hands in his pockets in Florida because they're his weapons. And so he That's has true. to yeah. so, so, so if you're, like, shaking hands, <laughs> is, that, is that a threat? No. <laughs> but, uh, Jack, let's give you the last word here. Then I want to get to a very good friend of mine, Chief Dan Skyhorse of the uh, Santa Rosa Creek uh, band. And so we're going to continue. And you're welcome to stick around if you want. I mean, anybody who's on the show, you know, you, you can hang with us. Or if you have to do other stuff, I understand life goes on. Yeah, uh, but Jack, that's the last word from you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, any contact no, I, information? I, I don't want to. 
Any organizations you want to talk about or, or not? It's up to you guys. No, I'm doing good. This was this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. And uh, yeah, if you want to have us again, I'd be happy to. Okay. Well, we'll talk to Jason. Well, you know, in fact, actually, all three of you would be great to have uh, if we can get you on on a regular basis. You know, once a week, once a month, once every couple of weeks, as you know, as we can, kind of thing. That'd be great. All right, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Cheers. Greg, thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. Nice to meet you both. Let's get to about I want. By now, someone I want to have on the show every week if possible. Um, and we had uh, – there's a, the thing that I play for, for the Creek Tribe Report, or the Creek Band, I'll get it straight one of these days, um, is something that was made specially for us here at Action Radio, uh, made by a Creek chief. And uh, Dan can give us the, the details on this, but I always like to play this before we get started. So here we go. The drum, heartbeat of the Creek people. Like the first heartbeat you hear before you were born. Like the heartbeat of the living spirit in all things. Join us each week at this time as we explore issues and topics important to the Santa Rosa Creek tribe and American Indians across this great country. Join in as we enter the world of the Creek Tribe and see the world as they do through the eyes of Chief Dan Skyhorse, or in the Muscogee language, Chothloko Suta Miko. Life is good. I need to learn more words again. Say that again. Uh, Which is what? What does that mean? You've already you've already exceeded my 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 limited knowledge because I'm out of practice. Go ahead. (laughs) I said I'm doing very good, and you? Oh, E two, me bien. (laughs) 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 The first thing that came to mind. I've talked about this in the show many times. It's been a while since you've been on, but uh, I, I love that theme. I feel you know immediately empowered. Uh, the Santa Rosa is, is Creek Band now. You changed your name, right? Just to get that straight. Yes. Um, excuse me. Okay. Um, what Only we, live radio. Don't mind us. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm on I'm on live, live uh, pollen and allergies and such. Um, what we did. Uh, was for decades we had been the Santa Rosa uh, County Creek Indian Tribe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more we uh, got into our culture and uh, history, we uh, uh, came to know that we were not a tribe as a, in the, the traditional sense of a tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, when you were called a tribe, which actually came kind of came over with the Europeans because we didn't have that word originally. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're called a tribe, that meant you had a you were associated with a particular town, like uh, Tukabachi or uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so then you were considered a tribe if you were did not have a town that was your town, which we do not. Uh, then you were considered to be a band. So a band oh, okay, that uh, makes sense. Was kind Got of, it. Was kind of like a suburb, if you will. 
And uh, so you like the so yuppies of the, of the creek world, or what? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have tassels on our moccasins. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, that was the reason for the change was just to become more uh, historically and culturally correct with uh, with who we're being called. Yeah, interesting. So the point I was making earlier uh, is that uh, I, I, I love the Creek theme. You know, it empowers me. Speaking the language empowers me uh, in, in, in ways that I never would have imagined because these guys made me a member of the tribe. And this happened totally – this is back at WEBY. I was like in complete shock. And, and Dan, you know, hands me my, my membership in the Creek tribe, uh, which is now the Creek band, for uh, – you know, all the stuff that we did on WBY, all the, uh, the shows we did and everything else like that, which I'm still eternally grateful. I love it. Um, and we'll continue to do shows and get you on every chance I can drag you, you know, uh, you know, to a phone to call in, um, as well as the powwow and doing the, the videos and things ahead of time. But uh, the language is so empowering. And so do you find folks that are, that are new to the band that, that uh, and I have a friend of mine who just told me that she has all kinds of, of Creek heritage. And so I'm going to give her to our, our genealogy person. I'd like to back on the show too. But do you find that, that, that newer folks, if they speak the language, if they hear the words, if the, it's something that, that it really resonates through your soul in a way that uh, I guess everybody's native language does, but there's something different and I, I can't explain it. I don't, uh, you know, like I'm Canadian, you know, and I spoke French sort of, <laughs> yeah, but it didn't do the same thing that speaking Muskogee does. And I have no idea why, because I don't have Muskogee heritage or Creek heritage. And yet, there's something in the words that, that affect me, you know, in, in a way I've never experienced with another language. Well, the, the world is uh, created by sound when the world was spoken into existence. We call it a universe, which is one verse, one song that we're all a part of. And uh, so the, the tonality, the, uh, the, the sound of the words, the, the, uh, the impact that they make on the ear without you even knowing what they mean. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a resonance there. And that's mm-hmm. what uh, I think that you're picking up on is the mm-hmm. resonance within the words themselves. Yeah, I had an I speak opportunity. It from a deeper place. You know, it, it, yeah. it comes from a deeper part of my, my, my gut when I speak. Uh, Muskogee, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I had the, no, just go ahead and talk over me like you usually do. It's okay. Well, I'll um, do the best I can. I am the host. There's a certain <laughs> arrogance that comes with that that I have to, I have an image to maintain. You know, I get a reputation of being you know, have, loud and obnoxious I, and talking faster than anybody else. So just go ahead. I'll let you get a lot of words in as soon as you can. Just interrupt me. Just don't be afraid. Just jump right in. It's all, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Now. <laughs> I, have, I have not jerked your, had the opportunity to um, Jerk your chain in a while, so I wanted to take a yeah, take a, uh, my, my shot at that. I missed the band. Um, <laughs> uh, recently, we had one of our uh, elder tribe members who passed away, and uh, I was asked uh, to speak uh, or actually to do the Lord's Prayer in the Muskogee mm-hmm. language at the at the uh, funeral at the graveside. And wow. um, there were a lot of uh, well, most of the people there uh, had no. Uh, idea about the language at all, but I was told numerous times uh, following the the uh, close of the service that mm-hmm. how uh, the just the speaking of those words impacted people. So that hmm. goes to uh, you know what you're saying about uh, about hearing the words and speaking the words, even though you may not know exactly what each word means or any of the words. Uh, it, it definitely because of the uh, tonality, because of the uh, uh, resonance, uh, it, it impacts you. 
That's fascinating. And I wonder if it's because it's such an old language that that makes a difference. It's such a history, you know, tied in with the people, tied in with the land, tied in with the spirit, tied in everything that ties in that people don't realize in this modern compartmentalized world, they, they miss all the connections. And I think there's uh, uh, even a language connection as words change and, you know, and especially the left, which changes the meaning of everything. There's certain things that don't change. And I think there's, uh, you know, if people would get more in touch with their spirit, you know, with the spirit that's all around us, um, that uh, you would see the connections. And I think people miss them. But once you have those connections, they don't leave you. They're, they're always there. And language is just one of them. Yeah, you you can't unknow something that you already know. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, tell me what's going on. I haven't talked to you for a while. So what, what news of the band? What, uh, what's going on on the, on the grounds? And uh, I know we've got power coming up, so you probably already started to prepare for that, even though that's November. So what's, uh, what's been happening? Yeah. Well, we have uh, – there is a, a historic uh, thing that is happening in the state of Florida right now, and mm-hmm. we um, are – have a uh, bill, uh, HB 553 in the House and SB 5 uh, or 954 in the Senate, mm-hmm. um, which uh, have been filed. And uh, these uh, two bills, that well, they're companion bills, so they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just has to be in two different um, parts of the of the legislature. But uh, what this does, it creates a pathway for uh, Indian tribes in the state of Florida to become recognized by the state. Now you say, well, oh, why does this that is yes. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this, so this is very good. Okay, so you, you say, well, why does this need to happen? Well, <clears throat> on the heels of uh, Andrew Jackson's Indian Removal Act of 1830, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, made it illegal for an Indian to be east of the Mississippi River, uh, when the, when Florida became a state in about 1845, uh, eight years later in 1853, Florida did their own uh, Indian Removal Act. And in that Indian Removal Act, they were a little kinder than what Andrew Jackson was, but not much. And the mm-hmm. effect uh, was actually the same. But mm-hmm. what the uh, that uh, act said was that uh, it gave you two choices. Um, number one is if you uh, wanted to stay in your in your home on your land, that you would have to um, give up all of the any tribal identity. Mm-hmm. You would have to give up speaking the language. It would be prohibited. You would be prohibited from uh, doing any of your traditions, your ceremonies, or even speaking of your culture. And the penalty, if you were caught doing any of those things, would be that you would be removed to Oklahoma on the Trail of Tears. Hmm. So uh, what this bill does is after 170 years, um, it um, changes that the effect of that uh, Indian Removal Act in the state of Florida. And it actually uh, recognizes uh, the legitimate tribes in the state of Florida. Now, what it it does not do, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with uh, uh, sovereignty or immunity in any way, which the federal tribes, um, federally recognized tribes enjoy. Um, it has nothing to do with any sort of gaming, gambling. It doesn't give any um, pathway or right uh, for a state-recognized tribe to become involved in gambling. 
or have a casino or anything like that. Those are all things that are on the federal level. Uh, it does not have anything to do with the sale of tobacco or, or alcohol. It has nothing to do with commerce whatsoever. Hmm. What it does, and it's a very narrowly focused bill, it is focused at, at uh, culture. And what it does, it gives a legitimate Indian tribe and pathway, an avenue, a process with the state of Florida to become a recognized tribe. Now, once you become a recognized tribe, then that opens up some things that uh, uh, that are only available to tribes that are government recognized. And those things are uh, government uh, grants and uh, uh, programs, uh, language uh, preservation uh, grants and programs, and also some of the large foundations in the United States um, give grants and such, but they only give them to government-recognized tribes. So this would put, uh, it would give uh, unrecognized Indian tribes and bands in Florida um, the ability uh, that even the smallest of the tribes would have the same uh, unfettered access to the cultural programs and grants that are only available to government-recognized tribes. You know, it's interesting, all the things that were which were taken away by this earlier act, you know, this would, would actually allow to come back, the language, the culture, um, the heritage, everything. It's, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. Um, the Pensacola News Journal in 1990 identified uh, 15 Indian tribes in the Panhandle area of Florida. And hmm. today, only six of those tribes are still in existence. And so this bill would provide for uh, access to the resources to keep many of the tribes from going extinct. What, how does the tribe go extinct? Do, do people stop identifying? Does it merge with another tribe? What happens? How, do, how does this happen? Well, the main way it happens is that uh, they lose their um, ability uh, resource-wise uh, from not only financial but from uh, knowledge of the elders. The elders pass away. And they lose that knowledge and the ability to teach it to the uh, upcoming generations. And so the, uh, the, and the language, they, they, they don't have the ability to teach the language anymore. And as you heard me say before, when the language dies, the culture dies. Yeah. And so there's, uh, that's the main, re, main way that those just go away is because of the, uh, the passing of the elders. That's too bad, you know, and I think we've talked about this before, but it'd be nice to have another bill where as part of education, as part of, you know, kids are supposed to learn, you know, American history, uh, government, things like that, but there should be an American Indian uh, inclusion in that, you know, because I think this is one of the, uh, you know, when people think of, of minorities and underserved communities and marginalized people, all that kind of stuff, you know, somehow American Indians, and I say that term, you know, purposely, uh, just, it's not included in people's regular thought process for some reason. Well, well, we're doing what we can on, on the level that we can operate on uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, in teaching uh, about our, our culture and our heritage. And, uh, but this, I mean, this bill doesn't uh, do anything to get into the state's uh, uh, curriculums or anything like that. We're not going no, there. No, I'm just saying it'd be another bill. It'd be a good yeah. idea, I think. Um, yeah. But we're we're doing we're making some great strides in our communities, 
um, as you might, uh, as I know that you saw, in uh, the city of Milton. Uh, we recently were able to have a uh, historic marker placed uh, down by the Riverwalk uh, in in Milton, and it was uh, the city of Milton uh, actually uh, financed and paid for the the marker and and the place to put it. And it was about an um, an incident that happened in 1837. This was after the Indian Removal Act of mm-hmm. Andrew Jackson. And there was a group of uh, 10 to 12 Creek Indians who had come into the uh, town of Milton, which was called Lumberton at that, that time. And mm-hmm. they were uh, trading for supplies and uh, that they desperately needed. And they knew the risk of coming into town. Uh, but they were at a point where they had to have the supplies. And as they were packing up and getting ready to leave, um, a shot rang out, and one of the Indian men was shot in the leg. And so, of course, the Indians scattered. Uh, but as the, the mob was, uh, there was a mob that was uh, coming down the street towards the, the man that had been shot. And in that uh, moment in time, not knowing what was going to be uh, in store for him when they got to him, uh, he chose death over the uh, what would possibly happen. So he pulled his knife from the sheath and drew it across his throat. Wow. And as he was um, going down in the street, he held the knife up to his 10-year-old son and motioned for him to do the same thing. But before the boy could act, the mob got to him and wrestled the knife away from him. But they took the uh, the man that was uh, had been shot and put a noose around his neck and drug him down to the river and pulled him up underneath a log raft that was by the river and left him there till he was dead. And so this marker that the city has so graciously um, helped uh, us get in place, um, you know, commemorates that that event and um, so that we don't forget the things that, like that that happened. And we're not trying to be, you know, the noble Indian or the mystical all-seeing. We're just, <clears throat> all we want to do is just be recognized as being human. And at that point yeah. in time, that Indian man was not recognized as being human. Yeah, and this this is exactly why you know I set out way back uh, when when I first got here, you know, six years ago, uh, to get your voice on the radio. Um, I actually confess I have not seen this marker, and so this is the first I'm hearing of it. So my apologies for that, but uh, I need to go find this and, and you know put this on the video so people so that I can share it. And I share all my stuff Facebook, you know, and I know we have like worldwide folks. We're we're actually growing a whole bunch of uh, audience in Australia, Canada, uh, the UK, and um, New Zealand. And so things are happening here. It's getting pretty exciting. Are you able to connect with folks internationally? Do you have uh, um, Canadian? Um, I guess we call them Native Canadians. <laughs> Canadian Indians. There we go. I'll get it straight. Um, or Mexico or things like that. Those are, or, those are actually called uh, the First Nations people. First Nations. Okay. That's I can get my terminology straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we uh, outside of Florida and Alabama and, and in the southeast here, um, mm-hmm. we don't have much uh, interaction with with anybody anywhere else. So we've mm-hmm. kind of got our own set of. Uh, of things down here in commonalities with ceremonies and, and such. And so mm-hmm. uh, when you get outside of that, then uh, ceremonies change, languages change. And so we haven't oh, uh, made, made connections much up there. 
Yeah. Let me tell you about another marker that uh, is sure. is in manufacture right now, and we'll probably be getting that marker placed, um, I'd say probably in April, which is appropriate <clears throat> because it was in April um, uh, about three weeks before Andrew Jackson came into Pensacola that uh, a group of um, uh, American soldiers came down uh, the 30 miles or so from uh, uh, the fort up in Bruton, South Bruton, Alabama, and they mm-hmm. came down the Mississippi, uh, the uh, Scambia River on uh, boats and canoes and pulled into a uh, Creek Indian refugee camp, which was in the city of Pensacola at uh, what is now Bayview Park on Bayou Tahar. And as they, they um, came in looking for the Creek warriors, and the warriors were away hunting and working at that mm-hmm. at that time when they arrived there. And the only thing in the village uh, or the encampment was uh, women and children. And so they uh, pulled up into the, uh, the encampment. And these were people who had fled uh, up further north because they get, kept getting their, uh, their homes and their crops burned and their livestock killed. So they were coming down to have some sort of protection from the Spanish who at that time controlled, uh, uh, it was called Spanish West Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, controlled Pensacola. Uh, but the soldiers came down and sneaked in and uh, massacred the 30 Creek women and children that were in that encampment. Um, wow. And in all, in all likelihood, likelihood, there was never a shot fired. Uh, because uh, powder and ball was expensive, and uh, so they would have uh, dispatched the women and children with the uh, uh, with their knives and uh, the butts of their their rifles. And if mm-hmm. the child was small enough, they would just find the nearest tree. And uh, so that marker, um, remembering that, is going to be uh, done very soon here. So, and we also have. Um, are talking with the city of Pensacola about inserting some of the into their heritage trail of uh, history of Pensacola. They have uh, various uh, markers and uh, informational things, and so we're in, in, uh, work, in the works right now of inserting some of the Indian, um, Native American, and even back to the archaic times of what was going on in this in Pensacola with uh, with the natives. And uh, so we're excited about that. That should be something that will be coming up later in the year. So we've been real busy. Yeah, no kidding. It's been wonderful. But uh, these are these are horrible events. And, and what I'm thinking as I'm you know, hearing these uh, is that it would be good if you have – I know you're busy, but if you have some time where you and I could go to these markers and give a presentation, put something on video, uh, and just tell the story. Tell, so it's it's not just a marker. So when people see it, they'll think the video. They'll they'll realize that there's you know what really happened. It's again when you hear it described as opposed to reading a marker, it just puts that much more uh, emphasis on it, and people realize just how how badly uh, Creek Indians and and other folks across the country were treated. And it, it's still it, you know I'm I'm still learning things all the time. And you think how can people not see other people as people? And they didn't. It just it just did not compute, and I don't know, you know, whether they thought, uh, you know, because these folks weren't uh, weren't Christian, that European, that somehow they were, you know, just uh, not people. That's the part that I, I've always had trouble wrapping my head around. It just doesn't make sense to me, and yet that's what they thought. Well, 
Well, that's just a part of colonization. Uh, and we don't, I mean, we're not, um, we know these things happen. We, we're not embracing anger about that uh, at right. this point in time because that was, that was a long time ago. And uh, the people that uh, that did these atrocities are, uh, we can't hold the people, you know, currently here. Mm-hmm. We can't hold them in uh, responsible for the atrocities that were committed back then. All we can do is, is learn from it and move to a place where everybody, um, you know, is, uh, uh, we know we're con- all connected, but we need to move to a place where everybody realizes that and respects uh, all cultures, all races, and uh, that's that's what we're striving to do. We're not uh, trying to beat the drum of oh, we were the you know the poor poor abused Indians. Uh, we just want to uh, let people know that we're we're human and and we're ready to and have already been moving forward with trying to uh, have a more connectedness in uh, in our community and where we have. Uh, um, where we can touch. Yeah. Yeah. Good marketing campaign too. like, you know, buy American stickers and businesses, you need to like buy Creek, you know, or something like that or <laughs> Creek owned business. I'm sure it's already there, but it just, the more things that we can do, you know, I was talking in the previous hour uh, with a couple of gentlemen about the normalizing. In fact, I think you were just in on the last part of that conversation, normalizing the site of firearms. In other words, as a way to, to show that firearms are for people, for citizens, you know, not just government officials and law enforcement, in fact, just the opposite. Uh, the Second Amendment in reverse is where the government has the guns and people don't. Uh, in the same way here, we need to normalize uh, the, the creek ban here. We need to normalize in American Indians across America so that it's perfectly normal to see a, a sign in a door. Or, you know, what I can do is to have, and I think it's something called World Indigenous News. We, we need the equivalent of that. We need to have a regular news feature. I'm, I've been talking to you about this for, I think, you know, a couple of years now. But just a regular feature. Uh, where we get news of Native American tribes and bands just as a regular newscast. You know, like you'd have the national news, the local news, sports weather, uh, and here's the, here's the Indian news. You know, and just have that be mm-hmm. as normal uh, a feature of this show as any other feature of this show. And for people to think of it that way. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. All, all I need is time. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, and I'm running a radio show. So we, we get busy. But it doesn't have to be just you. So this is why I ask for the contacts with other people. I mean, anybody uh, in the band is welcome to do it. Any of the, the, the surrounding Creek tribes and the, and the five tribes, you know, are welcome. Uh, we could trade off. We could do it on a rotating basis. Maybe you're on once a month and, uh, you know, three other times we have different folks. And I'd love to set something like that up yeah. when you have time, that, that he said with be, a grin. Yeah, that, that would be a great thing. Yeah. Um, well, I, I appreciate the, the time and getting to talk to you again. I do have to move on to some other things here because, as you might imagine, we're very busy uh, okay. with uh, trying to get this um, this bill uh, passed. And, uh, well, who's so behind it? Let's, we, uh, who can we talk to? Let's. Uh, in fact, I think we have a, a Creek Band member in the in the neighborhood. Uh, yes, uh, the bill is sponsored in the House of Representatives by uh, Representative Michelle Salzman of the uh, first district of um, the House of Representatives in Florida, and Mm -hmm. she is also a member of our tribe, as you know. And Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, but what we would like is if anyone, uh, you can go to our website, which is santarosacreekband.org, or our Facebook page, which is Santa Rosa Creek Band. And uh, 
if you can uh, do anything to like our Facebook or, or share our uh, things that we're putting on there about this bill, or mm-hmm. if you're so inclined, uh, we would love to have an email from you uh, voicing your support for the bill. We'd appreciate that greatly. So this is uh, something that's been a long time coming, and uh, we're getting uh, the community is embracing this uh, and, and being behind us, and we're so grateful for that. Yeah, I might have to start a new Facebook group, uh, you know, Action Radio American Indian Group or something like that, and just post news stories. I could do this myself, you know, the, the, my 22nd group or something like that, just because I think it's that important. Uh, this would be, yeah. be worth doing. Okay, sir. Thank you. And um, right. Mado, appreciate having you on again. Mado, Mado, and Hatam Chihi Chatlis. Hatam Chihi Chatlis. I'll see you again. Sounds good. Thank I'll you, sir. I'll see you again. All Bye. right. Yes, you will. <laughs> or you'll hear me again, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> Talk to you later. Oh, it's so much fun. Okay, so Hutum Chihi, there's, there's no word for goodbye in Crete uh, or Muskogee. So Hutum Chihi Chathless uh, is I'll see you again. And so, uh, you know, it's good to get Dan back on, on the show. I wish I had him on, like I say, a regular basis. We used to. You know, he's busy. Let's see if I can find somebody else and get into that. Okay, so we're going to take our first break here at uh, 832. And this is uh, Central Time, uh, Florida here. And so um, we've got uh, CJ who will be joining us at the top of the hour. And that's the next half hour. I don't know yet. I'll figure it out while I'm taking a break. But uh, we'll see what I can come up with uh, of uh, the many stories that are, that are gathering at the bottom of my computer. Maybe tell you some other of the interesting things that are happening right now. Back in a little bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too.
Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. What a fun show today. I'm really enjoying this. We had uh, Jason, um, Bill, and, and Jack in the first hour uh, talking self-defense, talking martial arts, talking uh, firearms, talking about some really important stuff, uh, emergencies, active shooter situations, self-defense, things like that. Jason, of course, is Stand Your Ground. That's who I, who's a commercial I play uh, every week. I play the start of his show kind of as a theme. I think I'll keep doing that. It works out well if I already have uh, a spot for folks. And if anybody wants to advertise on Action Radio, uh, I'd love to have you. I'll make you a commercial. And if you like it, uh, I'll air it, you know, and away we go. So uh, um, that's, that's definitely something that would help us out tremendously. Uh, second hour, we just had uh, Chief Dan Skyhorse, a Chos Loco Suta in the, in the Muscogee language, uh, so, uh, which stands for that Chos Loco Suta is Skyhorse. And actually, it's Horse Sky uh, because Suta is Sky because my name, my creek name that, that, that the tribe gave me, um, you know, when they made me a member uh, is Oponyo Suta, which means Sky Talker. And which kind of makes sense for somebody in radio. And so I do. I still consider it a tremendous honor to, to be part of the Creek, now the Creek Band. And so uh, I'll be out of powwow, uh, which is the, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and uh, any chance I get to, to get out there. But, of course, like I say, both, both Dan and I are both really busy uh, doing what we do best, which is helping folks that, uh, you know, in the ways that we think best. Uh, my way is uh, Action Radio citizen legislation is bringing something to not only the United States, but the world that has never been tried before the idea of regular people writing the laws that they consent to be governed by uh, and doing and combining that with a radio show, a worldwide radio show um, that can, uh, that can bring all of us together. In fact, I have a regular uh, person texting here. Uh, I guess he's back from coffee. Now <laughs> you back from your coffee run there in, in Holland, you know, uh, 
Cyanide, I guess it's S, I'll have to find out how to pronounce it, S-C-I-E-N-D-E-77. And you can see them right there on, on our live chat. So live chat works anywhere in the world. So folks that are listening at some time in the afternoon there, uh, I'll look up, we'll look up Amsterdam time. Let's just see what, uh, Oh, I get two. My worldwide. I have a worldwide clock. It really is, is kind of fun to do this kind of stuff. Um, so I've got Greenwich Mean Time. Let's get London. London should be at the top there. London is 2.39 p.m. So Greenwich Mean Time is 2.39. It is 8.39 here, so we're six hours different. Um, and oh, it, it just pronounces cyanide. Okay, you just typed in. Okay, I didn't want to say cyanide over the radio. I didn't want folks getting confused about that. So Amsterdam, I'm guessing, might be an hour uh, earlier. So maybe it's seven hours difference. Um, we'll figure it out anyway. So I can, I can look up Amsterdam time. I don't think I have it in my, uh, I've got Manila, Ho Chi Minh City, Phoenix, Arizona, Toronto, Canada, where I was born. Let's add, uh, let's add another one. Let's add Amsterdam, um, to my, to my world clock here and see what the time is. A-M-S-T, Amsterdam, Netherlands is 3.40 PM. Okay. So you're seven hours. He just texted him 3.40 p.m. <laughs> See, so this is the beauty of technology these days. I mean, it's really a, it's, it's a hoot. So here I am. I'm texting somebody uh, in, in the Netherlands. They're, they're, I'm looking up something on my, my phone. He's typing in you know, something on his phone. Uh, and this is what makes this so fascinating is how this is going to go. So if there, if there are things that we can do you know, with uh, – actually, he explained something to me. Is it Holland or the Netherlands? <laughs> I want to get that straight. I mean, I really do try good pronunciations and, and appropriate, you know, language. And unless I'm being sarcastic, in which case anything can happen. But uh, that'd be. I gotta get you on the show. So we have a Skype line. So if you if you sign it, well, you actually can't call. It's it's probably you know like working hours over there. But um, maybe we'll, we'll figure out a different time or something else. But I want to get more international folks on the show. In fact, if you want to give us news um, of Holland of things that are going on, you can post uh, sources you know, post articles right on, on the live chat. I'll be able to take those and use those, you know, on the show. And so my particular concern, of course, is the farmers, the insanity of, of uh, you know, they don't want nitrogen fertilizers. That's almost as wacko as, as not wanting carbon dioxide, which we all know is essential for the carbon cycle, you know, because we are, after all, carbon life forms, okay? So we breathe, we are made of carbon. You know, oil is a hydrocarbon, you know, foods, Part of foods are carbohydrates, all of which have carbon in common. Coal is carbon. There's carbon in our bodies. There's carbon that is uh, released in carbon dioxide when we burn the organic fuels, you know, oil, coal, natural gas. That carbon dioxide goes in the sky, comes back as, you know, plant food, (laughs) which the plants breathe in so they can release oxygen so we can breathe in. It's really an incredible system, right? And so carbon, so uh, I just find it fascinating. Oh, here we go. So we've got uh, cyanide says, uh, it's the Netherlands. Okay. There are two provinces called South and North. Uh, Holland, they were rich uh, parts <laughs> during the Golden Age and therefore the most known one. Okay. So, so when was the Golden Age of Holland? That's my next question. So we can actually carry on a, a Holland report right from here. So anybody who wants to type in from anywhere else in the world, the only restriction is you have to do it when I'm on the air. Uh, otherwise, send me an email, greg at writeyourloss.com. So something really fascinating uh, is happening right now. And it's happening with uh, Steve Kirsch's newsletter. Steve Kirsch, worldwide known you know, person. He's been writing about uh, um, COVID and all the problems and all the things that have been happening with it. Um, it's, been, it's been really fascinating to, to have him do that. Uh, and he's been covering it in ways that no one else has, you know, like the FAA and then the, the jabs and everything else. Okay, so that's, that's the good news. And oh, I mean, right now, I, was, I did my volume. I meant to do my screen. Here we go. So he's got a newsletter that just came out. 
and this was eight hours ago, Worldwide COVID Litigation Lawyer Directorate. So he says, please register here if you provide legal services to people who have been harmed by proponents of the, quote, safe and effective narrative. So in other words, we know that the, uh, the jab is not a vaccine. Uh, it's certainly not safe or effective. In fact, it's downright dangerous and deadly um, to a certain amount of people. Uh, and uh, we don't know the full effects. Nobody knows. It's an experiment. You know, so they, they made up an experiment. They, they, uh, you know, the whole thing, well, you know the story. Right? I'm not going to go into it. But what's interesting is there's a litigation conference March 25th and 26th in Atlanta. And one of the folks who's going to be there uh, speaking is one of my, my previous guests, uh, Jeff Childers, who's an attorney. He was the one that got the mask mandate overturned in Gainesville, Florida. He's a Florida attorney. Uh, so just go back to, to last uh, Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday of last week. And so just go to blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Uh, if you're listening to the live show now, you can, you know, at the end of the show, just go to the same website and then just scroll down to get to Steve's show. Steve was followed by uh, Rebecca Hardy of Texas for Vax Choice last Thursday. And then last Friday, uh, we had Dr. Robert Malone. So it's been a really busy week here. We've had a lot of stuff going on. But this conference I'm really interested in because Jeff's going to be there. And, of course, Jeff knows about our bills. And I'm going to brief him further on them. We're going to do a Zoom, you know, as, as he requested when he was on the show to walk him through the bills. And Robert Malone's going to be there. Let me see if I recognize other faces uh, in the crowd. There's Ryan Cole. Uh, there's, let me see. Oh, I, I, some of these people, I think Stella Emanuel. Uh, various different doctors and things. That uh, it's going to be great. And lawyers. Well, some of them, like I said, some of the the bigger lawyers. There's Pierre Corey. So I recognize the doctors. I'm not as familiar with the lawyers. But here's what he says. He says I'm putting together a public directory so that people worldwide can find lawyers who are willing and able to take on the establishment. Well, that's what we do here at Action Radio every day. <laughs> so, and I'm not a lawyer, but you I mean uh, I'll tell you. What we do. It says lawyers register your services here. Clients view the directory here. Now I put in a comment. On his lawyer's directory. I, you know, let me see if I can get down to my comment. We've got 106 now. <laughs> I'm going to just scroll down a bit. Um, so, yeah. So, that's it. So, it's, it's a pretty basic thing. So, I have to let me go to my email because there's a lot. Oh, here we go. Here's, um, oh, here's something on the, on the golden age. All right. So, I'll get, let me get that now because if I wait until the end of the show, it won't be there anymore because these, these live chats only last uh, as long as um, the show lasts. So this is interesting. I haven't done this before. I haven't actually requested uh, things on live chat, but you know, why not, right? I can do this. I'm, I'm the host. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> That's the fun of it. So let's get the golden age of Holland. And so Dutch golden age, here we go. <clears throat> it was uh, 1672, 1588 to 1672. So I'll go read the article and we'll probably talk about this uh, another time because it's really cool. Anyway, so let me get to my email. And so what happened was I posted a comment that said, dear Steve. Now, Steve Kirsch and I are, are kind of in touch um, because he actually uh, responded to a comment I made earlier talking about our two big bills. And those bills are vaccine product liability and ending big tech censorship. And you can find them really easily. You go to our, our main website, writeyourlaws.com. Um, and then you go from there to, you click on legislation uh, on the menu bar, and then you, then you click all proposed laws. And so the, the first is the homepage that explains how, how we do what we do, how you, how you write citizen legislation, uh, how you format it, uh, and gives you, you know, a sort of an example. And of course, the bills are all examples of how to do it. Uh, and then from the homepage, you click the next thing on the menu bar, which is legislation. And then it gives you a couple things to do. The first one is propose a new law. That's where you write your law. And that, that explains, it's, it's explained there too. The next one is citizen bill ideas. That's kind of like our workshop. That's, it's like a congressional hearing. And so we talk about bills. We take comments from bills. We basically perfect the bills so that they can be uh, shared and submitted to 
uh, everything from Congress, state legislatures, local governments, things like that. Uh, the ones that say all proposed laws, which is the third column, those are the ones that we're submitting. Those are the ones that are, that are, are good, good to go. Uh, and so that's where you're going to find vaccine product liability, and you're going to find big tech censorship. Uh, you'll find our Australian Bill of Individual Rights, which Holland might be, uh, Netherlands, excuse me, <laughs> might be, I'll, I'll get it straight. Uh, but you folks in the Netherlands might be interested. You might want to share our Australian Bill of Individual Rights uh, in the Netherlands and, and see what the response is. Because a lot of this stuff is translatable. A lot of it's translatable to uh, United States here. So writeyourlaws.com. In fact, I'll even, I'll even type in the website on live chat so everybody has W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-A-W-S.com. Writeyourlaws.com. And what's interesting about it is <laughs> I'm typing. So here I am speaking it, typing it in. It goes direct to Holland, <laughs> you know, Cyanide 77. He's got it now. He can go look at this and, and follow through exactly as I've talked about. And share. he's got a big thumbs up. So he's going to share our bills, the vaccine product liability especially, uh, and big tech censorship. You know, they censor you like they censor me. You know, like I've been censored since I said that, uh, that COVID was curable uh, back in March 2nd of 2020, uh, that the government response is the hoax. Uh, the, vaccine, the virus is real, you know, because I think it was bioengineered as a bioweapon and a biological marketing campaign more than anything else. So the weapon aspect, because if it was a weapon, it would have killed a lot more people. But I think really what it was engineered as, as, a, as a biomarketing campaign. Uh, and, of course, they've made billions off it, so they've made far more money. You know, the people that have been killed were usually in the hospitals for following the government protocols, uh, or now, more recently, people that are, that are taking the non-vaccine. Okay, so getting back to um, – let's get back to this, this COVID litigation conference and some of the responses. So I wrote this, call, I wrote this um, comment. I said, basically, you know, dear Steve Kirsch, if you really want to help, uh, please cover, talk about, and share our two bills – uh, with folks that might be going to the COVID litigation conference, one of which is vaccine product liability. Now, try to imagine how easy it would be to sue uh, for damages for people who have been killed and injured um, by the, the non-vaccine if uh, vaccine manufacturers were liable again. Okay, it'd be really easy. In fact, that's the whole reason they, they begged and pleaded and, and basically bought uh, immunity for their products from, from Congress and from President Nixon. Uh, was it Nixon? No, it was back in the 80s. So, so it, would have been, it would have been Reagan. Excuse me, I'm sorry. President Reagan, uh, they basically, and why he did this, I'll never know. I mean, why you take away liability. Any industry that wants immunity from liability uh, is, is probably liable for something <laughs> that they don't want to pay for. So the whole point of liability is to, is to make it so expensive to do something wrong that they don't do something wrong. That's what liability is all about. Saying if, if you do something wrong, you're responsible. You know, you're liable for what you have done, for the products that you bring onto the market, if you, especially, you know, vaccines that are non-vaccines. If you lie about what the product is, if you lie about what the product does, if you lie about what's in the product, and if that product turns out to be dangerous, like these are, you know, then they're liable for the cost of, of the injuries and the deaths. They've got to pay. I mean, that prevents them and other companies from, from doing the same thing. But if they don't have to pay, then it doesn't matter. So they can do anything they want. And, of course, that's what they're doing. So it would be far easier uh, if we could get these bills to this lawyer's conference so that they can not only talk about COVID litigation, but they can have bills, they can have laws that would give them the ability to have massive litiga litigation. Uh, for example, big, uh, big tobacco, if you remember how the tobacco companies were sued, you know, for the liability uh, for lung cancer and other and heart disease and heart attacks and all the things that come from smoking. Okay. Well, in the same way, big pharma has to be held liable um, for 
for what they're doing with the non-vaccine. But you've got to change the laws to hold them accountable. So they can have all the lawsuits they want on fraud and on uh, injury, personal injury, and all these other things. And those are going to be good lawsuits, and they, you know, I hope they go forward. But if they had product liability, they could get class action lawsuits and billions of dollars from Big Pharma for all, all the mayhem they're causing. You know, the crimes against humanity. And so that's critical. So if you go to the comment, so the comment, I think it was like number 26 in the comment. So, you know, now they got, he's got over 100. But some of them, let me just see if I can find a couple of them here uh, of, of what, uh, oh, here we go. This is, I'm just going to scroll down the first ones I get. So here's one that said uh, um, another person. Oh, there's my comment. So they just, there's one person in support. I can find somebody who commented on it. You know, a lot of people like my comment. Um, one of the folks, let me see if I can find where, I'm just kind of scrolling down. Here we go. Here's a comment. I agree with you hundred percent. I truly appreciate you and everyone who is fighting against the massive corruption in our country from the WEF, that's the World Economic Forum, <clears throat> backed Uniparty. That would be the Democrats and Republicans. WEF has infiltrated our government and governments worldwide, and they are purposefully destroying our country and depopulating as many as they can get away with. So it will be easier for them to take over. Now, it's interesting in this country that uh, the, the left demonizes what they're calling, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the, the great replacement. And so what they're trying to say erroneously, uh, mistakenly, fraudulently, is that white people are so scared of brown and black people that uh, white people don't want to be replaced. And, and we're all in a panic. I got news for you. White people are not in a panic. In fact, quite frankly, we don't care. <laughs> you know, uh, well, conservatives, liberal white people might care. Because they have, they have racial problems. But as conservative, patriotic, America first, or in my case, anti-federalist white Americans don't care how many Americans are here of different colors. Because I was in San Francisco. And I was a minority. San Francisco is a fascinating microcosm of the country. Because it's about 25%, well, maybe like 23%. You know, then you've got a, a few percentage of other, other groups. But it, it's divided fairly evenly between white, black, Asian, uh, and Hispanic are the four big groups in San Francisco. Everybody's a minority. And then you got like maybe 5%, you know, Pacific Islanders, everything else. You know, what Tongans, <laughs> how many Tongans are in San Francisco? Anyway, uh, point being, um, you know, between white, black, Asian, and Hispanic, um, those are the four big groups in this country. And so in San Francisco, they're roughly 23, 24%. So roughly a quarter of the population is one of those four groups, which means everybody's a minority. And, and nobody cares about that. And so the idea that, that white people, this is a way to demonize white people by the left, you know, won't want to be with other races is totally absurd. It works just fine in San Francisco. And the crimes and the problems and hassles and things like that. But it's not because, you know, white people are a minority. <laughs> you know, in fact, if anything, you know, white San Franciscans are calling for affirmative action, the same things everybody else gets. Because it's, it's not fair. It's racist policy. Anyway, so back to the comment. Uh, it says here that, country oh, so the great reset, the real, the real great, um, replacement is replacing Americans with illegal aliens. That's the real great replacement. Because if you look at, um, at what's happening, you know, what, what do they have for Americans? <laughs> Abortion, <laughs> you know, uh, vaccines, you know, uh, early death, <laughs> you know, lack of, uh, lack of medical care, all kinds of other things. So, so fentanyl. <laughs> so Americans get fentanyl, abortions, um, and, uh, and vaccines. That's what Americans get. And then, you know, uh, what do illegal aliens get? Hotels, free health care, you know, and, and uh, the ability to go anywhere and do anything they want, uh, taxpayer expense. Now, that's the great replacement. That is exactly what the great replacement is. And that's the problem. So when I say great replacement, I'm not talking about, gee, white people, 
like me, afraid of everybody else in the world. That's a bunch of nonsense. You know, what, what I'm worried about is replacing, you know, Americans uh, through abortion, fentanyl uh, and vaccines with illegal aliens uh, who, who don't have any of those things necessarily. Well, maybe fentanyl. All right. So we've got. Let me see what the comment is. Destroying a country, depopulating as many as they can get away with. The comment also says Schwab and his WEF uh, have been working for decades for world domination, praying and fighting against their NWO, OWO plans. So new world order, I'm not sure it's, uh, I guess old OWO is old world order plans. I'm not sure. And it says, thank you again. I will try and call your show, 215-383-3832. Uh, and it says disabled, the cancer survivor, uh, and some other things like that make it difficult to talk. Okay, go to live chat. Um, just go right to live chat. So if you want to come in on the show, do what uh, Cyanide 77 does from, from the Netherlands. Just types in. It's right there. You know, live chat, or we can email. You can, you can write me an email. I'd be happy to read it over the air. Uh, there's a bunch of things we can do. Let's see if I get another comment here. Uh, here we go. Here's another one. Uh, thank you for sharing, Greg. I had not heard of your show before, but I'm keen to listen. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> we hope a lot more people feel the same way. As, as someone who was not in government, law, or politics until three years ago, see, this is really common, right? Uh, I've been spending much time catching up on it and trying to understand our legislative system, bills, committees, etc. Thank you again. Um, that's what we do here. <laughs> that's exactly what we do here. And so it's really nice to see these comments. So, so I'm hoping that uh, Steve Kirsch himself will read all these comments and go, huh, maybe I should write about these bills. That's what I'm hoping. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. All right. So I've got uh, CJ is going to join us here in just a little bit. And so what I want to do is play the last of our, of our spots, commercials, and things like that before she gets here. It's 8.56. And we have about four minutes worth of, of stuff, maybe less. We'll see. Let me find my, uh, my mark here. Um, but that way I'll have everything covered, and I can play you our, our musical selection when we're done. And CJ and I will talk uh, uh, wellness uh, stuff, and away we go. Back in a bit. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Okay, this one I unfortunately made with a slight uh, five-second delay, so I need to fill five seconds before it starts, but we need sponsors. Here we go. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. 
It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. All right, let's make uh, CJ's line live here, and let's talk wellness, CJ's Wellness Watch. Um, this has been an incredible show so far, so I don't know if you had a chance to uh, catch some of the things going on. We, we talked self-defense in the first hour. We had uh, Chief Dan Skyhorse of uh, the Creek Band uh, in the second hour, and then I, I ranted about uh, Steve Kirsch you know, and the lawyers' comments and getting our bills there, and then the third hour, it's you. Hey, darling, what's going on? Hi. Good morning. How are you? Oh, excited. Um, energized, you know, running on adrenaline, running on, running right? on empty, running on, running. I, know. I knew you were going to start singing. I was like three different songs just came to my head, but yes. Okay. What, were your, what were your other ones? Go ahead. Feel free. Sing. We're not going to sing on my show. Um, isn't there like a Harley Davidson one running down the highway or something? Something like that. No, running down the highway. That's uh, Doobie Brothers. Is it the Doobie Brothers? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's all good. Wow. I tell you what a week it's been. I can't believe it's Thursday already. Wow. Um, I can, but it's, a lot it's still of things fast. going on. You can? <laughs> yeah. well, every day is different. For, every day is, see, this is the beauty of action radio. See, every day is different. So I have a marker for every day. There's certain reporters on Mondays. There's certain ones on Tuesdays, certain on Wednesdays, certain on Thursdays, certain on Fridays. So every day is different. So I, I see how fast the week goes, but my days are never the same um, because they're all different reporters, all different right. times. You know, this is Thursday at 9 o'clock Central Time, so it's you. Okay. That's how we do it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Feel free to. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there's been a lot of things happening in the world of um, wellness as far as on my end this week. You know, as far as um, as kind of you and I discussed a little bit earlier this week, as far as the Uh topics of the world, right, the topics of the world really haven't changed. They're just 
evolving. You know, each day we learn a little bit more or something else gets debunked or somebody else has another question. So as far uh-huh. as new things that I'm aware of, um, I don't think there's been much new this week. Obviously, we've seen more of the pollution and the derailments and the stuff going on and all the things of look here and not there and the distractions and all that craziness. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for me this week, what I have seen in my world, a lot of people constantly wanting to know about the concern of how do we, what, what are the action steps that we can take to be as proactive as possible with the toxins in this world, even though, you know, it seems like a lot of our conversations revolve around that, but that is the topic of the world right now because it was mm. relevant and people were very much aware of this five years ago, right? People know this. Mm-hmm. However, the, the awareness of these things has heightened over the past three years with all the other things um, that have had to be addressed. So I think the importance of addressing toxicity or addressing how can we um, not necessarily avoid it because we live in a world, right? You can't avoid mm-hmm. it. But how can, we, how can we combat it the best way possible? I think that's been a big ongoing topic and there's so much information, you know, to break it down and do one piece at a time mm-hmm. is probably a good, a good thing to do. And then the other um, two topics that have been pretty hot in my world this week is the specifics of readings, now not just labels on boxes like we did the last time. I'm talking about people not understanding the stickers that are put on quote-unquote fresh fruits and vegetables, and they have that little barcode on there. And that's not just Mm -hmm. for, you know, if you're going through the checkout to ring up your food, whether you're checking it out or whatever. That's, That's not the sole purpose for those specific numbers. People are really wanting to know, well, what do those numbers mean and what can mm-hmm. I look for? Um, and then the third topic would be options of different places of where to really get the cleanest food possible outside of the basic things that we talked about as far as potentially local farmers markets and maybe some grocery food stores. Um, and how to choose the right things. So we talked about even if you go to your local farmer's market, you don't necessarily know what they've injected that, what they've injected. You know, it could be grass-fed cows, but they still have feed and all that. So, you know, really dumbing it down to what are the handful of things that you can look for and where can you look for them for options to have the basic staples in your house. Like if you had to break it down to saying, okay, I'm willing to spend X amount of money on top quality products for 10 products in my household. And if I had to live on 10 products, 10, 10 something of food, I could do it. People are really wanting to dumb it down to those sort of things. And so those hmm. really have been the hot topics this week. Well, and how many hours are we on today? <laughs> exactly, right? Right? There's right? a lot here. Well, you know, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think, you know, touching on these things and then if we wanted to expand moving forward because you know there's a lot of details that we can get into with all three subjects mm-hmm. but oh, yeah. if you have some if, if if you have an outline and some basic facts that's a good mm-hmm. place for people to start until we dive into things deeper oh you're much more organized than i am i just show up here <laughs> you know turn the microphone on and go <laughs> hmm, now what do I, now what do i do 
<laughs> no, it's not that bad. I actually do plan things out, um, but the but the, it's the planning that allows for the spontaneity, which is kind of interesting. Um, you said some stuff earlier, yeah. and I was thinking um, natural protection. It's like we live in a world now. There's toxins everywhere. There's chemical toxins. There's stuff in the air. There's stuff in the water. Stuff in the food. There's hormones, and and you know they're injecting our our, our animals, and the, they're feeding fish in farms. You know the you know carrot pellets to make them look orange for salmon and all kinds of other horrible stuff. But we as human beings. You know, we've been on this earth for a while, and so we have natural uh, immunities and natural protections. So plants have a lot of in, you know, um, poison, you know, lectins, uh, things like that. So plants have, but we've adapted to a certain portion of it. You know, the sun, uh, some folks can take a lot more sun than others. Uh, and so, but uh, everybody can take a little bit. But so we had to adapt a little bit, you know, and some of it, I think 15 minutes, you know, for vitamin D is really good for you. Uh, the chemicals in the air. You know, the volcanoes have been around long before people. So there were times when people had to live through uh, fires, volcanoes, ash, all kinds of stuff, and a certain amount of adaptation, uh, and water. For a long time, water was not pure, you know, until people learned how to boil it, you know, and do a bunch of other things and purify. And, of course, now there's, there's all kinds of chemicals we don't need in it, like possibly fluoride and some other stuff. Um, but what do we start with? Where, where, where do we human beings start from in terms of our own natural ability, you know, in terms of air, water, sunshine, you know, what's, uh, where, you know, our own ability to detox? Because we have, we have systems. We have, what, kidneys and liver that their job is taking the poisons out. I mean, that's their job. Mm-hmm. So how much, where right. do we start yeah. as, as people before we get into uh, the, the additional stresses that have been put upon us, but just the old-fashioned natural stresses? Well, how are we designed to heal, the, to, to help, to combat Well, our body, like you said, is designed to heal itself, right? I right. mean, it is. Mm-hmm. And it's decide, designed to, I mean, that's the way God made our bodies. The challenge is because of those, you almost can't talk about this without talking about the other things. Because mm-hmm. there's so many external factors that play into allowing our bodies to do what they were designed to do, mm-hmm. that our body cannot, can no longer efficiently do what they were designed to do because of all the external factors, you know, Hmm. that's why our bodies in this world, they need assistance. They need us to be proactive doing all the things, whatever those things are, you know, you choose to implement and to do. So Mm -hmm. that's the challenge. You know, we're not living back when everybody was going to a one room schoolhouse and apples were the size of, you know, the way they're supposed to be. And even organic apples not being, you know, the size of your head. So that's, that's <laughs> the issue because of the way, you know, and it's, and it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Technology mm-hmm. and all that stuff is good. The world has evolved. God has given people the knowledge and the ability to, to create, to come up with things to make our lives supposedly easier, you know, but there are some days I wake up and I'm going, man, I just wish I lived back in the times like Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, some of it would have really, you know, as far as the hardships yeah, and dentists, this and the not having this. Yeah. But, you know, cavities but, <laughs> would have really sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, yeah. but yeah. simplicity, you know, the uh-huh. simplicity and not having um, a lot of the pollutants and the external factors. You even go back right. to the clothing. You know, everything was made out of cotton. There weren't, you know, there weren't flame retardants on clothing. So I can't uh-huh. really answer that question without getting into the external factors because – our bodies can no longer do what God has designed them to do efficiently because we're not living in the world where, you know, back in biblical times where people were living to be a hundred and 200 and, you know, it's, it's not that way now. 
Yeah, we went through a long period where, where lifespans were very short, and I'm not sure when it started, but, you know, if you were 40, you were doing well. If you were 50, that was almost unheard of, uh, and now we expect that. And so it's interesting that for, for a long time, even with the chemicals, even with the stuff in the cereals, even cereal themselves, all the things that, uh, that we have, you know, the lifespan still increased. And I think the first real turnaround has just been lately. It's been, you know, since COVID and, and the, the non-vaccine and all the things that are out there, we've, we've gone too far. We've gone to a place where the stress, where the chemicals, where the additions, you know, I, I, it's like human beings were adapting fairly well up until fairly recently. And life, ex, life expectancy is actually dropping for the first time. That's it. Right. Hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the facts are the facts. God gave us a body to heal itself. But mm-hmm. we have to help in that process because of the world that we live in now. We, we, our bodies are no longer, this sounds horrible, I don't know the, how, the way to put it, like self-sufficient. They need help now to, and aid to do what our bodies have been created to do, unfortunately. Mm. Okay. So let's take the yeah. next step. So it's like, <laughs> where do you start? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Does we've that got pollen, sense? I wrote down, allergies, detox. Um, we've got uh, where to get the cleanest food, uh, labels, you know, all, all the topics you mentioned when you started. I'm game. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think, you know, one of the things, um, and it's not so easy to do, but it is if you have the resources, you know, is attempting to have some cleaner clothing, you know, and look, looking for cotton clothing. And it's so difficult so difficult to find clothes that do not have flame retardants and toxins and all that sort of things on it, especially, you know, with, with women, you know, and then finding undergarments and things like that, because all of those chemicals and those things that are in those products have the potential to harm you, you know, and most people don't even think about that, you know, I mean, even guys, right. You just put on your undergarments and you go about your day and you don't even think about it. And, you know, un- unfortunately, that's something that we need to think about. So if you can find a source, or even if you can, um, if it fits in your budget to have 20 pieces of clothing that mm-hmm. are organic, organic cotton basics, you know, that would be better than not having, you know, any. So I say that, well, you know, that's a really good place to look. Well, I want, to, I want to talk about that because I don't find it that hard to find things that are cotton. In fact, I won't buy anything that isn't cotton. The only time I ever have to wear polyester is like a, a company uniform. So I have, I have one day a week left. Right. I, I have a polyester shirt, and it, it's like wearing a trash bag. <laughs> it doesn't breathe. It's totally uncomfortable. Yeah. I have to put a T-shirt under it. But everything I own is cotton or wool. And I've got a couple of wool sweaters. But in Florida, the, I only need those about two weeks out of the year. Um, but, uh, but for right. the rest of the stuff, it's all cotton. But I, I go out of my way to find it. Now, even though I'm buying cotton, am I still getting stuff with, with chemicals on it? Do I have to get, you know, pure organic, you know, handmade clothing to get away from whatever chemicals? What are they putting on the cotton clothes? Because they, they're, they're comfortable and they breathe well. well it's, it's a totally different thing than the Well, polyester. you have to get organic cotton. You have, I mean, and you have to research the company. And, uh, you know, and I know we're scrolling a lot. A lot of people will go onto Amazon and say, you know, 100% organic cotton underwear, whatever, right? And you can mm-hmm. go on there and buy that. That's fine, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I unfortunately do do some shopping on Amazon. They have you kind of by the balls there, right? But I do try to find something. Like if I find something on there, I'll try it's to. It's funny I'll when try to go to a, by the balls. I just, I just find that amusing. Don't worry about me. <laughs> right. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll still try to go straight to the company or find a USA company or you right. know something like that. Now, mm-hmm. um, you, you want to make sure you look for something that the material is grown without toxic pesticides, fertilizers, or GMO, GMOs. Right. And, you, you know, you really, if you're going to buy cotton, you need to buy organic cotton that is grown without those things. Um, how do you find that? Because do you have cotton, to go to natural clothing stores, or where do you find organic cotton clothes? Believe it or not, there are some good handful of companies online that offer free shipping, that have different price ranges, free mm-hmm. returns and things like that that you can use. You know, one of the good ones that I found is actually called The Good Trade, The Good Trade. And they have all different price points, and I'm not affiliated with them at that all. It's just one of the companies that I've looked no, into. No, you can mention companies on the um, show. I, I, would, I would encourage you, if possible, to talk to them and see if they want to sponsor your report or Action Radio in general, uh, given the fact that a lot okay. of what we do here is wellness, and it might help them, and it would certainly help us. So let's get the word out on them, okay. and let's see if they want to. But it's never a requirement. I want to make this really clear to anybody that's listening. You, know, you don't have to sponsor the show to get on the show. If you're interesting, I'll put you on the show. Okay, especially if it's a wellness thing or, or an organic or a natural product that you have. However, I really appreciate you know, those companies sponsoring the show, sponsoring CJ's report, uh, and just looking into what we do here in terms of legislation, uh, because we might be able to write legislation that, gets, that makes these products more available. Um, you know, it could be everything right. from tax breaks to, uh, you know, getting rid of the blocks to the market. Because uh, other companies, the biggest problem companies have is other companies. You know, uh, I'll give you a classic right. example. Um, do, do you remember, do you ever see the, the movie Tucker with Jeff Bridges? It was about a, a guy in the 40s that made a brand new kind of car with a swiveling headlight in the front so you could see around corners. He had seat belts, He had breakaway glass. He had all the things that were mandated later anyway. But in the 40s, you know, GM and uh, Ford and Chrysler, they didn't want to put safety features into their cars like seat belts. They wanted it all optional. So they destroyed him. Mm-hmm. You know, they basically, they systematically set up to destroy him and block him from the market. You know, started this huge campaign that, oh, this is horrible stuff. You can't, you can't drive these cars that run safe. And of course, they were the safest cars on the road. I actually saw the Tucker movie being made in San Francisco at City Hall. And so I got to take a really close look at them. Oh, they're beautiful cars. But the point is that the companies blocked him out. So I'm sure this works the same way now that companies say that we have the best products. You know, don't take, uh, you know, any drug but Pfizer. You know, we, we have the monopoly on truth, which, of course, is a bunch of nonsense. So are there other companies blocking these smaller, you know, good companies? You know, of course, they probably, they probably have to charge more. I'm sure organic cotton costs a little bit more mm-hmm. than, uh, than, than GMO cotton. Is there even GMO cotton? Is that, right. Are they genetically modifying cotton? I didn't think about that until just now. Uh, they're genetically modifying just about everything. Okay. You know, so that's why you yeah. need to read, read labels. Okay, that makes sense. You know, from from your hmm. clothing to just about just about everything. Well, but well, it raises the question: How good's the labeling? So if a, if a company says organic cotton, it's like natural foods can be tw- only have to be about eighty percent natural. You know, organic might have Correct. to only be ninety percent organic. So how so how good is the labeling? We should talk about this every time we talk about a product. How good is the labeling? If it says organic cotton, is it one hundred percent organic cotton, or is there a percentage that is like, yeah, not such a big deal? Is it maybe only like eighty-seven percent organic cotton? Exactly. Do you, 
Do you and know? And again, that's why you, yes, yes. So with okay. clothing, I know they have, with, specifically with, with, it's just like, it's just like with organic food that we talked about. Organic mm-hmm. is, it has less stuff on it. That doesn't mean it has not been hit by any pesticides whatsoever. And we can get into that when we talk about those, the numbers on, on those stickers. But all mm-hmm. organic um, fruits, vegetables, whatever, legally can have some sort of pesticide sprayed on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, you re- it, it's the same, and to the best of my knowledge, it's kind of the same with, with your clothing. That's why you want to see where it says 100% organic, toxic-free, chemical-free, non-GMO, and the company's information, I'm just not gonna say, I don't think it's going to say that. I haven't seen it, like, on every single tag of your, of your shirt, of your whatever. And it's a lot of information, right, to put on there. But if you look at the company, if you have 10 pieces of clothing from a cotton clothing company, you can go onto their site, and that information should be there for you, um, whether it says 100% organic cotton free of that information mm-hmm. should be there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, labels, we're so reliant on labels. Actually, a lot of people don't even read labels. I do. I've always read labels because it's important to me, you know, to see what's in there. It's like if I get a laundry detergent, you know, I don't want perfumes, dyes, chemicals, extra stuff they don't need. Uh, so I read the label. So I, I'm, I have to assume, or at least unless I check the company myself personally, that when they say there's no perfumes or dyes, you know, this stuff is going to be free of that kind of stuff. It's going to be free of that kind of stuff. Of course, I'll tell as soon as I open up and smell it. You know, I, I can usually I get a pretty good nose for for these kind of things. Um, but uh, there's a lot of trust that has to go into labeling. Labeling is really important. People are 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 actually their lives in many ways are affected or dependent on on good labeling to know what's in there. Salt content, for example, um, you know, fat content, uh, which is actually usually good for you. Uh, sugar content, all those kind of things. And when they say sugar, do they do they mean just glucose sugar, just your standard sugar, or will it say sugar and then fructose, lactose, you know, uh, all the other different kinds of sugars out there. Right. Right. Well, yeah. and, and, and again, it's, you got, you've got to be able to read, to read, to read the labels that, and most mm-hmm. people, like you said, do not know how to, to do that, but it's just as important in clothing. You know, Especially, like I said, under undergarments. Yeah. I mean, undergarments are a really big deal. Like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna uh-huh. wear clothing and I'm gonna wear a jacket or a sweater over top of a turtleneck or something, I'm uh-huh. just gonna be honest. Am I always gonna wear a jacket or a sweater that's not touching my skin? Really, um, uh-huh. 100% organic? No, uh-huh. I'm, I'm just not. Right, and so um, that's just the truth of it is. And most people's wardrobes aren't gonna be 90% organic cotton. But it goes mm-hmm. back to, again, if you can have those few staple items, mm-hmm. um, then that's always a really, really good thing, especially whatever's up, up against close to your body. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because I know there was a big uh, thing with guys' underwear. Guys, you know, if we can talk underwear here for a bit, you know, if it's too tight, it's, it's, it's going to cut off circulation. It's going to cause problems. It can even cause, you know, fertility problems. 
you know, or if it's too hot, right. it's too much polyester, things like that. So we can talk about that kind of stuff. I don't mind getting that direct because if we don't, you know, who's going to? Um, but for, for exactly. guys, you know, the, the, the boxer versus brief argument, you know, get, get the fresh air, dudes. <laughs> but cotton is part of that. You've got to have natural fibers or you're going to have, you know, various issues and things. And then you want to buy other products right. to, to try clean up those problems. You know, and say so if you just had the cotton, you know, and the organic fibers, I don't think anybody has wool underwear, but, you know, if you, if you stick with the cotton, you know, you're going you're gonna to solve 90% of your problems, especially if it's, you know, slightly loose fitting. Women are a little different. You, you can talk about women's underwear. Yeah. If I do, it's going to sound funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's the exact same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. those are items that people should be should be looking at because, you know, again, back in the day, mm-hmm. it was all cotton, right? The women made a lot of the clothing. They spun the mm. wool. They did all mm. that sort of stuff. So you're taking this all back to nature. I mean, if, if you dumb it down, it all goes back to nature, to what, what the things that God has given us. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Makes sense. It, it really does. It really, truly does. And, you know, scrolling back to just what you were talking about, you know, one of the articles, I'm sure a lot of your listeners heard about this, about e- erythritol coming out. Uh, used, What's that? Used to add bulk to, it, it was an article that came out linked to zero calorie sweeteners linked to heart attack and stroke study finds. This was this Ooh. week. And, and erythritol is used to add bulk um, or sweeten stevia, monk fruit, and keto-reduced sugar products. And this is something new, and I would always say, and, and I mean, this is another fact to say, we're not all perfect. I would always use monk fruit. I, I got rid of stevia a while ago, and I would use monk fruit in my home and or raw cane coconut sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're saying that monk fruit is no longer good, right, that it's causing all these problems. Who's saying that? It's like originally they said stevia was Stevia was good. So there's this article, and uh-huh. it's been floating around everywhere. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. It just came out, well, and there's a video. I can't catch everything. That's why I have you I folks have, on. So I, <laughs> you I know, but you're so good at what you do. So. Well, thank you. Thank um, you. Let me pull this up. Yeah, yeah. Let me pull. So is monk fruit, is it actually the fruit of the monk? We're talking about monk fruit, like breadfruit. You know, it's an actual plant, or is it a brand name for a kind of sweetener? No, 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 no. It says um, a sugar replacement called erythritol. And you can find okay. it in the stores. It's used to add bulk or sweetened stevia, monk fruit, and keto-reduced sugar products. has been linked to blood clotting, stroke, heart attacks, and death. So Sounds like the COVID jab. <laughs> sure it's not the COVID jab? It, right. Erythritol like. is, <laughs> is used in uh-huh. to sweeten stevia and monk fruit. And that's huh. something I did not know because when I buy monk fruit, I buy pure 100% organic monk fruit. And then, again, I also use cane sugar. Now, I don't personally add sugar to anything other than in my good coffee that I use in the morning. I'll use maybe a teaspoon or a half a teaspoon of monk fruit in my coffee in the morning. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing I ever add sugar mm-hmm. to. Okay. Um, so I found that that study that just came out this week was really interesting. So it huh. seems like every time we wake up or every time we turn around, there's new information about something. So going back to, and I'm pointing the finger at me, 
as well. Mm-hmm. Going back to the basics, me saying, okay, well, well shoot, it's going to use coconut sugar now. Like, you know, because I thought monk fruit was good. Monk fruit is monk fruit, you know, but if they're adding erythritol that adds bulk to this stuff, that's not good. You know? So it's not the monk so, fruit that's bad. It's the things they're adding to the monk fruit that's bad. That's what it sounds like. Correct. Okay. A sugar, uh, yeah, erythritol, it's used to add bulk. Yep. Why do you have to add bulk? It, it's used to why, add why do you bulk have to do that? I don't know. Because <laughs> it's used to sweeten stevia and monk fruit. Huh. Which is interesting. Well, what's, what's, uh, what's know, the other one? And, Aspartame? Remember the big sweetener way back when? Uh, I forget what they called it. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that stuff's really bad. Yeah. So. Correct. Yep, aspartame and, and Splenda. Splenda, it's like you can, if you want to kill ants really cheaply, if you've got an ant problem, you want to go ahead and sprinkle Splenda all over your windowsills <laughs> or on the, you know, around your baseboards or something like that. And the uh-huh. Splenda will attract the ants and kill the ants. Wow. <laughs> that should tell you something. Well, here's the thing, though. Uh, these artificial sweeteners, people are trying to get to zero calorie. Uh, a certain amount of calories aren't bad, but the, the, the artificial sweeteners are worse than the, the natural ones. So what's, yeah. so what's the big deal about – I mean, I've, I've got a fairly sweet tooth, but I've got, uh, you know, bottles of, of raw honey, raw, unfiltered, yeah. you know, uncooked, you that's know, right. natural honey. Okay, so that's what that's I do for my, right. my sweet tooth. I could get agave. I've tried that. I've never heard of coconut sugar. But sugar I – and mean, we talked about this before, but all food – almost all food breaks down into sugar anyway when you get to it. Right. Right, you know, right. Fructose, right. lactose, uh, I don't know what beef breaks down. Beef is a protein. But see, the sugar, what, what is it? It's, it's sugars, proteins, and fats. It's basically the, the components of food. Right. And the proteins are good for right. you. The fats are good for you. The sugars are, are not, but natural is still better than artificial, even though most things break down into it. So, right. Yeah, okay. Right. So, so we should talk about exactly. sugar. Exactly. Um, what do you have, like, a, a exactly. favorite source of it? Like, I'm a honey person, well, like I said, agave, using... maple syrup. You know, those are yeah. I mean, yeah. I have I have raw honey here at home, raw local mm-hmm. honey. Um, I use every once in a while. I use agave. I had monk fruit here at home, which now mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that I'm gonna gonna use. Um, yeah. And coconut. I have raw coconut sugar at home, but I may just throw away my throw away my monk fruit and just use raw raw coconut sugar or honey in my coffee in the morning. Hmm. Yeah, you know? I would stick with the. So, uh, I've never tried coconut sugar, but it, it, I didn't. Think, I mean, coconuts are interesting. The, the, you know, we should talk about coconuts because uh, Chancey Terry, who was on the show a bunch of times before, um, talked about coconut all the time. Is it the oil or the right. coconut oil, coconut milk, coconut meat, which is actually fruit? Um, what is it about coconuts? Why are they so good? God made them. They haven't been tainted <laughs> yet that we okay. know of. Especially if you're going and getting them right from the. Right from the tree, you know, it's, it's again, you know, monk fruit is a fruit, but when they're right. adding this erythritol to, to it, that's what causes the problem. So a lot of things, just like apples, if you pick an apple off of a non-GMO tree that's small, apples are great for you. It's when they add the wax and the pesticide. So anything, I say this hesitantly, but almost anything in its natural form mm-hmm. is going to have health benefits for you. It's when things are consumed out of their natural state hmm. is when we have the problems. And 98% of what we consume is not in its natural state. Even if you're blessed to live on a farm, you know, mm-hmm. if, as long as you're, you know, 
they use pesticides, they use fertilizer, all that kind of stuff, you know, unless you're the one growing your garden, which is getting to be garden season here in the Carol Carolinas, you know, your own stuff. But then again, you don't know where those seeds have come from, you know. Hmm. So how far do we how far do we go backwards in the rabbit trail to say, you know, like we talked about before, who made mm-hmm. the fertilizer? What's in the fertilizer? Where do the seeds come from? You can only go so far. At some point, you have to just go back to faith, right, and trust the Lord. You know what? I'm growing my own stuff. I'm cleaning yep. my food. I'm going to the sources that I know. You can only do so much before you start keeping yourself at night and freaking yourself out about everything you're wearing and everything you're consuming. That's a really good point. And I think people, you know, people that are in the wellness biz, you know, you get the time to do this. I think most people, uh, I I wonder if they feel overwhelmed. It's like, oh, no, now I have to have one more thing that I have to worry about. I have enough to worry about. I don't want to have to worry about this. You know, so just stick with the basics. Read the labels. Get the natural products. You know, get your dark chocolate with, you know, like 90% or above. You know, just follow the basic rules. Get labels. You know, if there's too many chemicals in the, in the food, don't eat it. Right. I, that's, my new, that's my new rule. Like, we have a new sushi thing opened up. We have our Publix had, like, Sushi Wednesday. Give them a big plug. Uh, and I thought, well, this is great. And I pull up a package, and there's, like, you know, I see rice and salmon and, you know, maybe avocado and some sauce and stuff like that and crunchy things. And I think, oh, that looks pretty natural. Then you read the back, and there's, like, you know, 48 chemicals <laughs> that go to make up the, whatever's right? in there. And I thought, where, they, where do they put all that? You know, we're because yeah. you figure because the labels are arranged that the the the, the whatever is present in the the greatest quantity has to be first. It's amazing how many times you see mm-hmm. water. Yeah. Here, so you're buying a lot of water out there, folks. But uh, but you know, and if if uh, soybean oil is the second major ingredient, or the third, or even the first ingredient, and I want that because they're all they're all GMO'd anyway. So you can't get like non soybean oil. Yeah. You made a great point. Uh, you know, we went out for a sushi there, and I, and I like sushi every once in a while. I do. I like mm-hmm. sushi. I do too. Um, I don't eat the rice and stuff like that, but I'll, I'll, you know, I don't get the rolls, but I like sashimi tuna and stuff like that. But, you know, again, that's maybe once or twice a month for me, so again, that's mm-hmm. my treat. But I asked, you know, is it, when I went to one of my favorite sushi restaurants, you know, is your, is your fish wild caught? No, but it's the highest grade of farm. Yeah, whatever. That's a bunch of BS. The highest grade of farm <laughs> rate. the highest grade of pesticides really? we Come can on. find. <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, I don't know. I think that night I was just feeling my oats, and I was like, screw this. I was like, no, I'm just going to order something else. I'm not going to order. I really wanted the sushi, but I was like, no, I'm going to order, like, some, something else. And so mm-hmm. I ordered, uh, like, a build-your-own bowl with just, like, vegetables and water chestnuts and all the veggies. And then as I'm eating it, I'm going, are these veggies organic? Have they been washed? What do they have on them? You know, mm-hmm. because this is what I do, my brain goes into all that because I think like that. That's the way I'm wired. Most people are not. They're like, okay, this is healthier option, which it is. So my point in saying that to the everyday person you can mm-hmm. drive yourself insane and never eat another piece of food again. Walk around your house naked, never wear clothes, which isn't a bad thing. I'm just saying that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you know it's, it's your house. You do what you want. Um, yeah. You know, you I mean, can drive yourself insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, right? you know, it, it's, right? it's, it's hard to, you know, it's funny you should say that. It would be like going to a movie with a theater critic. 
you know, because they're, they're going to pick apart everything. In fact, I had a friend of mine who, who did, you know, did some writing and, and stuff like that and going to the movies. It's like, well, the director forgot this and there's a shadow here. And it's like, you can't enjoy this, can you? No, it's wrong. They need to fix this. And it's like, okay, fine. So you have the same thing. You can't go to a restaurant with going, is this organic? Is that organic? Where did it come from? Is it really organic? Did they wash it? You know, it, it, you know but you have to separate that and just right. go have fun. But here's something I heard, though. Exactly. That, and that's why I know, said it's, that's why I always go back to it's the 80-20 rule because you, you can drive yourself insane. But if you say, okay, my household or my family or I'm going to do these five things I'm going to implement, Mm-hmm. I'm going to implement these five things, you know, just start with something, you know, and make that your, your, your focus, you know, both if it's from um, a conviction standpoint uh, versus, you know, this is what I'm going to commit to. If it's from a budget standpoint of mm-hmm. your financial resources, doing something is better than doing nothing. Yeah, and just take you know do what you can do that's reasonable. And it's the same thing too. That uh, I wonder if our, our body has has to have uh, has to be used against some of these things. You know, like the natural lectins and things out there. Just like you know, you want to you don't want to live in a germ free environment. The germ phobes are the ones that get sick the first uh, because they don't have an immune system left. They they don't experience stuff. Me, I go in public all the time. I meet people. I don't care. I always did. You know, never put a mask. Never took a jab. Uh, and uh, I've never gotten sick except the, when COVID went through here initially before we knew what it was. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't shy away from it. people. Say, oh, I got a cold. You can't come over. I said, No, I'll be over. Well, let's go hang out. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you might get a cold. Yeah, I might. Right. Then again, I might not. You know. But do you have to exercise right. your 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 body's detoxifying systems? to keep them working. You have to exercise your muscles. You have to exercise your mind. Do you have, you have to stretch your immunity. You know, do you have to exercise your detox or is that, is that the point where we're not, where there's too much out there where, like you said, we need the help. Everybody needs to help their body detox periodically. Okay. And they should be. And like I said, 90% of the population does not. So oh, the simplest yeah. one would be drinking water, right? Wouldn't that be the if, – if you want to start with the basics, you know, drink a good amount of water? Yes, that, as that... long as your water is as clean as you can get it. Okay. So let's, let's talk water for a second now that I've brought it up. So I have a filter. I've got a Brita filter. I put everything through that before I drink it, uh, especially mm-hmm. uh, what also helps is when I make tea, I'm boiling it. So not only am I getting, you know, filtered water, I'm boiling it too. And so plain water is kind of boring. <laughs> I still drink a lot of it, though. But uh, yeah, me too. what else could I be doing? What, uh, is that good enough? You know, is there, there more? I mean, how clean yeah, can, well, does water need to be? Big, the two biggest things is clean water. But if you're using clean water, you have to make, still have to make sure you're getting your minerals somehow, some way, the good minerals. Yeah. So um, like I personally, I have a reverse osmosis. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I use it's called zero water purifier, zero water pitchers, where it literally it has a um, a measuring um, oh gosh a digital measuring tool where it measures everything in your water. We're taking it down to zero, so that mm. it cleans out everything in your water. Which means I have to add I have some minerals that I add, or I have a natural electrolyte drink with z- no sugar and stuff that I have to add some things back into my water on occasion because huh. I clear everything out of my water because um, your body needs the minerals, right? And with the, with the boiling of, of water, you know, if you have a stove or a Keurig 
or whatever. You can boil water to add in to make soup or collagen broth or stuff like that. But yeah, your your water is hugely important. And um, another good way of getting some your body to help clean itself out is using lemons. And again, we go back to you got to buy organic lemons. You still need to peel off the the outside skins. Um, but for a lot of you who have known over the past couple of years, you know, you can use those skins to make hydroxychloroquine with your grapefruit and all that. But like, okay, I how do you do that? Oh, no, lemons. wait, 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 no, this is, this hold is, this on, is wait a minute. Hugely wait, we're, important. We're okay. okay, go ahead. I, I, I make, um, I make lemon ice cubes. So like I did this yesterday, I bought a huge bag of organic lemons and then I cut off the outside rind. I took out the seeds, threw them in uh-huh. like my, my blender blended up all the lemons, and then poured them in ice cube trays. So I just popped the ice cubes out, and I add that to my zero water, my, mm-hmm. my clean water, so that I have fresh lemon water. And that's a really good way, you know, instead of just squeezing the lemon there and then throwing away all the pulp and all the stuff inside that really does have the vitamins, blend it up, make ice cubes with it. Hmm. Um, so that's, so that's, what I, that's, what, that's what I what I do as far as that goes. Um, and we can get into how to make um, the hydroxychloroquine and, you know, there's a part of a tree you need. I mean, there's interesting things like that. But I did want to cover today, if you don't mind, for your viewers, because I think this is important, um, the, of how to read the stickers on your page. Yeah, we need to do that. We definitely do. I just want to jump in for a second here before we do that, because we've got 20 minutes left, which is good. We have a, a, a listener in, in the Netherlands, uh, Cyanide77, who, who types in. So we, we, just to let you know, we, we do have international reach today. Um, nice. Most days. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. So he, said, he says, never had sushi. There is a saying in our country that says, what the farmer doesn't know, he doesn't eat. And so that actually, Dutch farms, Dutch farms are under siege right now uh, by a bunch of wacko environmental nutcases that think that nitrogen yeah. uh, fertilizer is a bad thing. Now, of course, it'd be nice if the nitrogen could get there naturally in, in, in as many ways as possible. But you know, uh, nitrogen, uh, 72% of our, of our atmosphere is nitrogen. And if you don't know that, if you think that that's the problem, then you don't know science. Uh, he also says clean water, reverse osmosis uh, is, is, is pretty good stuff. So, uh, yeah. So Europe's yep. a lot better about a lot of foods. They, their labeling is better. Uh, I think they restrict foods more. I think we get a lot of stuff here that uh, companies have lobbied to allow in when it's really not as good as it should be. Um, it's like Germany. Right. You, know, you know, beer is, is, is water, malt you know, hops and barley, and that's it. That's, that's beer. You know, there's right. no chemicals. Exactly. You know, there are other countries. Uh, France has a whole standard for everything from truffles to wine. Uh, I'm sure there are cheese exactly. standards uh, in the Netherlands that uh, it's not cheese. Unless, you know, yeah. Gouda has to be, this is what Gouda is, and it's not, you know, Gouda plus, you know, Monterey Jack. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Uh, exactly. And so, plus plus so, a lot of wax or something, right? Yeah, so but they're good. Well, cheese wax is kind of interesting. We should talk about that too. But it, it's interesting that a lot of countries do a better job of labeling and protecting their consumers than we do. Well, that's why you know the other topic. I don't know if we're going to get to it today. No but labeling. Let's it's, do it. You know, you got it. sourcing. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm not on time, but it's, it's sourcing. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and and there's a lot of American people, a lot of people that don't want to don't want to order or get from different sources. Because we're a convenient society. We want everything at our fingertips, including myself. So we're used to going to the grocery store, picking up what we need, coming home, doing our thing, whatever, um, you know, ordering on Amazon for next day delivery and supporting a, a conglomerate 
versus going to an individual company um, to support them um, and waiting an extra five days to get whatever it is that we want to order. We want things on demand, you know. Right. And so having the cleaner resources and making the choice to order things from cleaner resources, that's just a decision that you either make or you don't make. And it's not like you have to do it with every single item in your home. But, again, go back to picking those five or six top things if you're at home and start uh -huh. with making small changes. Start with making those changes. You know, um, it's like I only order a lot of my household stuff from a USA company, you uh -huh. know, period. You know, I have a standing order every month, you know, because – all of my dish soaps, all of my everything that are 200% clean from an American company, I just, I just order. You know, I'm not going to go to Target and buy seventh generation, which is not clean, by the way. And there are hundreds of companies. I have a whole list that used to be clean companies, even Burt's Bees and all the companies you think are clean. They have totally been bought out and sold out. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a very interesting, interesting concept. Very, very much so. So, you know, it's just a personal choice and decision to say, hey, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm not going to do, and kind of figure it out, mm -hmm. if that makes sense to you. Well, and we should report on companies that have lost their way. You know, if uh, Ben & Jerry's, for example, is not, you know, the natural stuff that they, they were when Ben & Jerry ran it, you know, I don't, I don't even know if they still do. Right. But that's the kind of thing we can talk about. I don't mind mentioning names as long as it's as long as it's true, as long as you've got good evidence for for what you're saying, uh, as long as you've got a track record, we can point to these companies that were good and are not good anymore. I don't care. We can put them on the air. You know, you, you can mention exactly. names. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, feel free. Yeah. So so I think I think you know, and and I do have a lot of resources that I can provide to people. You know, mm -hmm. some yes that I am absolutely affiliated with, some that I am not. But you know, having those places that you can go to for certain things um, and sharing that information with others and letting them decide that, I mean, that's what we have to do right now as far as educating others and helping others and providing people with the resources. Oh, I want to go this. You just sent me a list. I want to go through some of these. This is fascinating. Um, and so we do have a, a website that's uh, it's, it's a Facebook page. You can send me anything. And I, I'll usually end up posting it on our action radio life and health coaching page. So it's the Action Radio Life and Health Coaching page on Facebook. Uh, you want to go through some of these? This is great. <laughs> yeah, Companies we can do that. Let's do that. So natural company bought out by. So Burt's B, you know, the, the folks that have the, you know, the chapstick is like petroleum. We know that. I've actually found, hang on, yeah. I'm going to get my, uh, my one here. <clears throat> so what do you think of this one? I, I have one I found in my local pharmacy, Trix Pharmacy, which is a lot of stuff. Moon Valley Organics Beeswax Lip Balm. It's great, especially the lime one, just to let you know. Whoa. Ah, mm -hmm. ah. All right. I my water. No, yeah, I like my water. I said, the second one on there is the uh, seventh generation. Um, what is, what is that seventh generation? It's bought up by Unilever. Okay, so let's – Pardon me? So, oh, seventh generation is a company. I thought it was like uh, you know, a modern thing. So, so, so obviously these people buy them out because they want the marketing or they want them off the market. They don't want the competition. So let's talk about what happened. So what happened to Burt's Bees when Clorox bought them? Do you remember, is there a, a noticeable effect? You know, I don't, I, I don't know the specific story behind all of these. Mm -hmm. I just know that the big, the big conglomerates, you know, we talk about the Rothschilds. We talk about all the corruption – 
money talks. So when you, I mean, because look, I mean, who's behind Coca-Cola that bought out Honest Tea and energy brands and, you know, you got Pepsi with Naked Juice. Think how we know, we know who's behind those companies that are not natural. I mean, look, Hmm. General Mills bought out Larabar, Bare Naked. We're all familiar with Bare Naked products. You can go to Mm -hmm. stores and find Bare Naked. Bare Naked is not Bare Naked. It's bought out by Kellogg. You know, so it's just like Kashi. Everybody wants to buy Kashi cereal at the grocery right. store. It's horrible. And it's bought, it's bought out by Kellogg's. Same with Cascadian Farms. Like my daughter, when she sees Cascadian Farms, she thinks it's a better brand, and I'm trying to educate her. And we've mm-hmm. gotten some other, um, other items that are very healthy, actually, um, that I've got some now associates with and, and whatnot. It got bought out by General Mills. So you yeah. have it's all about no condemnation at all. It's all about getting educated and then you choosing for yourself or your family what you want to partake in, what you don't want to partake in, what you want to choose to swap out or not. That's mm-hmm. all. Once you have the education piece, the decision-making is up to you. If you get the education piece and you have this information and you're like, well, you know what, these things really aren't that important to me then so be it. That's your choice. That's your choice. But the whole purpose of having your guests on and having talk radio and having podcasts and, is to educate people so that they can make whatever decision is best for them. Yeah. I recognize some of these, like um, Odwalla. Uh, I remember them. Uh, Honesty. Annie's. I've, I've had Annie's salad dressings before. Now they're General Mills. Uh, who, who else do I recognize here? A couple of them. Like I said, Burt's was the first one. Tom's of Maine. Uh, in fact, they still have a lot of natural products. I remember when Tom advertised for Tom's of May. Now it's Colgate Palmolive. It's interesting that the companies that buy these companies would be the, the chemical, you know, equivalent. So like Nutra, Nutra Est, uh, Clorox, Renew Life. Clorox is bought a lot. Renew Life, uh, Laundress, Unilever. So things that make natural detergents are bought by companies that make, you know, chemical detergents. Uh, people that have natural foods yeah. are bought by companies that have chemical foods. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. Now, yeah. again, do you think they're doing this to to take these other products off the market? They're doing it on so, purpose because they can taint. Yeah, they can right. taint the product. Remember, like the cabal, the cabal, the left, the money, the the evil. Right? They're out to kill us. They're out to make us bankrupt. They're out to do all the, all the bad things. So it makes sense that they would that they would do this because. Right? I've said it like three times and we know it. Money talks. Mm-hmm. It does. Money talks. So, you know, that's why, you know, I personally have made the choice for 80% of my things in my home. Mm-hmm. I order from an American company online that's 100% clean, made in the U.S. and all that sort of stuff. And then getting a lot of my my food my food items and things like that from cleaner sources, you know, one or two that are in the U.S., which is hard, very hard to find unless you know the people themselves. And then, like you said, the U.K., um, Australia, New Zealand, their sources are so much cleaner, and their restrictions and their guidelines. I have a lot of my staples gotten from those locations and sent to my home. Why? Because it's worth it to me. Because then, you know, if I want to go splurge twice a month and go have my sushi, 
that's probably mm-hmm. contaminated with all the crap, you know, it's <laughs> twice a month, right? Hey, listen, I, I still like onions. You know, if I want to have, I, yeah, if, if I want to have my Annie's that just got bought out, my Annie's gummy bears once a week, I'm going to have my Annie's gummy bear once a week. You know what I mean? It's that whole 80-20 rule. 80% right. of the time, I'm going to support things that I know are better and get from cleaner sources. I'm talking about my home staples. I'm not talking about those every once in a while treats. Makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, I'm going to just... I'm going to share my stuff here. We're going to be off the air about 10 minutes. I'll share it over to uh, on my own page in the Action Radio Life and Health Coaching page. Um, you, you can't do too much work because you, you drive yourself crazy. You've got to have the treats thrown in. Uh, this shouldn't be work. This is supposed to be right. fun. You know, I try and look, I, I do the same with legislation. You've got to have fun with this. You know, you're going to win some. You're going to lose some. You know, there's going to be battles out there. But you've got to have fun with it or you're going to go crazy. And so same thing with food, exactly. especially and if you're I, not a full-time yeah. nutritionist. You know, you've got to... Uh, right. You got to enjoy the process. And, um, but, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I am going to have yeah. my glass of wine, but I know where to get like a clean wine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm not going to get something that's full of the sulfates and um, all the additives and stuff that's going to give me, you know, it's still mm-hmm. going to have the alcohol in it, but it's not going to have the sulfates that's going to give me a headache. Well, it's alcohol. Alcohol is pretty natural. I mean, you know, they're, they're animals that get drunk. <laughs> Because they, they find fermented, you know, right, fruits right, and right, berries right, right, right. And, and grains and things like that. You know, so you get a bunch of, like, this, this yeah. parrot, you know, colony in Africa or South America. They find this one plant, they all get high and they fly funny. <laughs> so right. It, it, yeah. You know, it, yeah. Yeah. So, so alcohol itself in the few minutes, what we should do, make a big note to yourself, labeling. Let's start next week with labeling. And so let's, uh, let's put okay. that as the number one thing. And that will give it the time that it, that it does. But what about alcohol? You, you know, a little bit's good. Too much is not good. How do you know what form of alcohol is is, is the best, or is it all? Is is your single malt Scotch, this, which I like, uh, the same as my Guinness, which I like, you know, in in small quantities. Like, you know, I'm not like a one drink a day, you know, person. If I ever actually have a drink, uh, one drink's enough, you know. And I think I drink like right. ten drinks a year. About I think about ten drinks a year is what I average. All right, so it's nothing that I do on a, on a on a on a huge basis. However, once every once in a while. You know, if you get a, if you're in Scotland and you don't have a single malt scotch, you, why did you go? <laughs> you're missing the point. Right. Um, or a Guinness right. in Ireland, or well, or, you know, or a goes, wine in Napa. You know, yeah. Exactly. It goes what back does alcohol to. Do, yeah. Uh-huh. Alcohol can be good and bad, just like everything else, right? Okay. Everything is everything in moderation. Yeah, we know the bad stuff, but what's the good part of alcohol? What does alcohol actually do for your system? Well, there's a lot of resveratrol in um, red wine. What's that? You What's know, that? there's there's a lot of good there's a lot of good properties in a, in a clean wine. You know, okay. but most people don't drink clean clean wines. You know, mm. I'm not so sure about the benefits as far as hard alcohol. Um, I like a every once in a while, especially in the summertime, it's really hot. I'm a gin girl. I like a gin and tonic, just something nice, mm. clean, refreshing. I'm not a big sweet person anything like that. Um, but I do like my wine and I'm very picky with it. And I've actually, when I go to a restaurant, I've actually found, and you can get this at Total Wine. Uh, it actually looks like a tea bag on a wand. And I think it's called The Wand. And you can oh. get it. Say you're traveling and you don't have your, your favorite wine with you, but you like to try different wines or you want to have a glass of wine with your dinner. You can actually put this, stir your wine with this little tea bag that's on a stick for like three minutes, let it sit take it out and it will actually re- remove um, all of the soft 
sulfates, the, an, the antihistamines in it, all of the nastiness in it, and turn it into a cleaner wine for you so that when you drink it, you don't get the sulfates, which the sulfates is what gives you a headache, you know. Um, and so that's something that you can do. And it, it works really, really huh. well. Um, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Send, send me something on yeah, that, too. I can, are... I can post it. I'm, I might actually get that. That's uh, Now, I don't get headaches from wine, though. But, again, you know, the one glass, maybe two, you know, that I'll drink, you know, is not generally going to be a problem. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you never, other folks are more susceptible to different things. So what is alcohol, where does alcohol go? How is it metabolized? You take a drink. What happens in the five minutes? Yeah, before? well, sometimes it turns to sugar, depending on what kind it is. You know, that's, oh. a, that's a long chemistry conversation that we're not going to get in in the next five, five minutes. Okay, we'll do, we'll do it in two um, weeks. We've got labels next week. We'll have alcohol. A lot of it has to do with, mm-hmm. with the way um, it's processed, like, and grown and produced, like, starting with, with the grapes and how they are, what processes they go through or don't go through. Because sometimes the wines have pesticides added to them, you right. know? Um, no added sugars, no pesticides, no sulfate, and you're still going to get the alcohol. You're still going to get the beautiful flavor of the wine. You're just not going to get all of the the junk that goes in with it, you know? Um, and there's a good brand out there. Again, I'm not affiliated with this one, but I thought about seeing if I can become an affiliate with called Grazia, G-R-A-T-S-I, G-R-A-T-S-I, and they are actually uh, produced in Washington State within uh, the Columbia River and Yakiman Valley. So they're 100% organic, vegan, um, very fresh, and they're Mediterranean-inspired. They're very good. Yeah, you don't think that is a, is a big wine-growing region, region. And I was sort of you know, blessed living in the Bay Area before it got too crowded. Uh, Napa and Sonoma used to be great hangouts in the 80s and even up into the early 90s. And then it just got too – it wasn't any fun anymore. Um, but uh, so that, that, was, that, was, that was definitely a good time. Well, it's interesting, the, the, the spirits. Now, you say gin. So gin came from the British in India, you know, and the juniper berry. And so do you get – juniper berry gin or do you get like the grain gin because there's a difference mm-hmm. but real gin real gin from juniper berries is is amazing tasting stuff which is why the british drank it when they were you know colonizing india which is not a very lofty occupation mm-hmm. but they did it but anyway but that's where it came from do you get juniper berry gin <laughs> i'm just curious nope i don't okay. i know i i don't i don't mm. i'm gonna write that down though nope I just okay. buy me some Hendrix gin, which is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the things we talk about the show. Well, let's look them up right now. Let's see if it's Juniper or not. So we got a couple minutes here. Let's have some fun. Uh, I, I do have my, my fun on the show uh, on a regular basis here. Let's go. Yeah, What's it called? Hendrix, gin? Hendrix gin? Hen- Hendrix. Hendrix is my favorite brand. Hendrix so gin. when you said Juniper, how do you spell it? Juniper. J-U-N-I-P-E-R. Is it from Juniper Berries? Juniper. So the, the aroma and the taste comes from in gin. Now, a lot of times they'll make it with grape and add like a juniper extract to it. See the things I know? You'd be amazed. Uh, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, okay, let's find out. Uh, I'm looking up Hendrix Gin in the last couple of minutes. Hendrix Gin Review, liquor.com. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Hang on. Uh, Hendrix Gin, the modern gin is an old-time aura and delicate floral aromatics. That would be junipers. 
uh, gin company, really? William Grant. Though so that's your, that's where the aromatics come from. It says pros, floral, fruity, fresh aromatics, strong juniper note on the palate adds backbone and structure. It brings a different level of botanical complexity to standard gin cocktails. So I'm guessing there's a lot of juniper in it. Okay. That's awesome because uh, one of the things I just found was the top picks for the best juniper gin. Uh-huh. Sip Smith. Uh, I can't say this one. Uh, I've heard it. Tank, tank, Tanqueray. Tanqueray, yeah. Uh, tang, tangeray, Tanqueray. I'm sorry. Tanqueray, Gordon's, and Beefeater. Yeah, but those are those are a lot. Of those are grain. They're, they're they're chemical grain gins. They're not official juniper. Well, that's funny because it says our top picks for the best juniper gins. Um, okay, well then we have to. Re- I, I could be wrong. It's happened. <laughs> we'll have the labels. But it's. I mean, I don't uh, know. I would love to know uh, a great yeah. juniper uh, gin that you would recommend. Since, I mean, you seem to know about this more than more than I do. What would be a good one then that you would? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, just, I you know, like I say, I'd, I'd have to do some research myself. But the, I know that gin's made from junipers. I, I know about a lot of things that I haven't tried. I don't drink. Well, you know, uh, martinis. I've probably had three in my lifetime. <laughs> So it's hard to know. Hendrix, okay. It says Hendrix is often referred to as the cucumber gin. That's interesting. And indeed, that flavor is an integral piece of this gin's botanical makeup. See, so aromatics, things that smell good, uh, botanical, you know, things that herbs, things like that. That's, that's just an alcohol. You don't think of it. But like, um, that's why vodka is boring. Folks, this, don't drink vodka. Vodka is boring. You know, it's all made from grain. It used to be made from potatoes. Real vodka is made from potatoes. Right. Um, but, but modern vodka is made from grains. I think a lot of gin is, too. Well, let's look up one of those gins. This, <laughs> oh, now well, this one says specifically, Sip Smith, yeah. here it is, the uh-huh. top one. Uh, gin multiple variant. If you're looking for the most juniper-forward gin, uh-huh. look further, no further than Sip Smith VJOP. I have no idea what VJOP stands for. It's probably VSOP. Uh, I bet you it's VSOP. Is it VSOP or VJ? No, nope, it says VJOP. Okay, so VSOP is a brandy grading system. So there's, there's VS, right, VSO, this and VSOP. Oh, here so it is. The, this is what it stands for. Very, very Jupiter overproof. Okay, that's so that's, that's the highest grade of gin then. That's, that's, the, that's the highest grade of gin. Yeah. Okay, so what does it say about them in terms of junipers? Is it made exclusively from it? It just has says, besides great- being heavy on the crisp and piney Jupiter berries, this gin also has a much higher ABV alcohol by volume. The higher uh-huh. ABV once again adds to the crispness of the juniper berries. Huh. Okay, so now you said juniper forward. That's one of those, those, those terms that they used? Uh, yeah, with, a, with such a juniper forward flavor and high ABV, this would be a perfect gin if you're looking for... Uh, the best. Let's see. The heavy emphasis on juniper, juniper berries makes this one of the one great for a classic gin and tonic. Um, huh. But you could use it in any cocktail. So that one, I'm, I mean, that's the one I'm getting. I mean, if you find, and I never, that's interesting. I mean, I'm learning something now from you. So that is awesome. We have, we have great fun doing this. I, I look says, stuff up all the time. Yeah. Well, it's just because it seems to me that's yeah, like it natural. Yeah, it says our top natural. pick for the best juniper okay. gin is that one. Okay, but it, hmm. but see, juniper forward could mean that it tastes like juniper. So it doesn't mean that junipers are in it. So if we're going to do labeling, we're starting a labeling chat already, right? So you know me, I've got to investigate. When I hey, hear exactly. one word, one word out of place, it's like uh, it's like a, a huge red flag. Hey, exactly. So it says most so juniper forward gins you can buy. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, pure. About, How about pure, pure juniper gin? 
Well, let's look up Juniper Only Gin. Isn't this fun? <laughs> the, the, the things we it get from this we get up to. All right, so let's go. Let's look up Juniper, 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 do-do-do, do-do-do-do. Juniper Only. Juniper Only. The best gin. straight on Juniper Gin. The Juniper Only Gin. Oh, let's see what comes up here. I'm still coming up with the same list. Tangeray. Uh-huh. Uh, then we got, oh, here we go. This is, this is a different drinks, uh, drinks of today. The best straight on, oh, then we got straight on Juniper. So we have Juniper Ford. Now we got straight on Juniper. So this is, this is what we're doing, like I say, our labeling chat. With all the different flavored gins on the market, some would go like to go back to the roots of gin and juniper berries. So what are the best juniper gins? Here we go. In this article, we're That's a, that was the list I was just reading. That's the same page I'm on. We're on the same page. Yep. Oh, we're, yeah, we're on the same, same page. Yeah, uh, we've got Sipsmith, Tanqueray, Gordon, yeah. London Dry. Okay, so yeah, that's the list you read before. So you were right on. Okay. Junipero Gin. I guess that means Juniper in Spanish. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. I know mm-hmm. Junipero Serra was the, uh, the priest that uh, set up the California mission system. So maybe it means something else. But this okay. has been interesting. Well, yeah, we got plenty of topics to keep covering since we didn't get over. But I want to tell everybody um, really quick, and we'll get into this in one of our other podcasts. But okay. if you're um, if you're a beef eater, um, there's a really, really amazing, and I don't know, maybe I can get this video to, to Greg, and I don't know if you're interested. I don't. I, I'm going to have to figure out how to get this to you. But there mm-hmm. is a ranch in tex- Texas that I'm associated with that is, producing, I think it's, and I'm not a beef person, so I might get my terminology wrong, so please forgive me, because I have to read it verbatim to you, but the highest quality beef, meaning like it's five star, it's way above Omaha Steaks, Kansas City, Butcher Box, Mm -hmm. Um, so they don't have any hormones, antibiotics, it's USA raised, USA processed, um, vertically integrated, that's very important, Um, and the, the prices for ribeyes and steaks and uh, like burger meat is much more cost effective than going to many people know butcher box, Omaha steaks, Kansas, Chicago mm-hmm. state company. And you're right. getting super, super clean beef for your home. And I'm participating um, with them. And this program actually launches in April and it is very, very, very cost effective for super clean. Um, okay. And they do well, everything. They need to talk to them about, uh, like I say, coming on the show or or being sponsors or both. You know, like I said, I never want to have people yeah. think that the, the, the a company is has to. I mean, I'd like them to, but they're not. They don't have to. You know, donate to the show or, or sponsor an ad or things like that to come on the show. I'm just wanting them on because they're good products and they're interesting. Now, is this grass fed beef? Right. Beef's a whole topic unto itself. Yes. Yes. Two hundred and ten percent. All. Yep, nobody's ever been injected with anything. They just raise in uh, this mm-hmm. black label beef. So it's the top quality beef um, that you can get that you can't even find. And if you go to a restaurant, you're mm-hmm. hard-pressed to find black label beef. And if you do, you'll be paying probably 80 bucks um, for a meal for black label beef. And probably, to get this yeah. to your home, a large quantity, you could pay a little bit more than that and have a ton for your family. So, um Great resources. Yeah, it's I, Kobe beef comes to mind. So, so the way beef works, uh, the, the, the gradations of beef are designed to confuse you. So the gradations I know are prime choice, and I think if there's, a, there's a third term, the 
or standard or whatever it is, but the, the, oh, the gradations of beef. But prime is the absolute best. Only about 2% of the beef in America is prime. Choice is what most of it is. You think choice would be a good quality? No. It's under prime. No. Okay, so gradations. Gradations. We have a couple minutes of beef. And Actually, black label now. is two steps above that. Huh. Oh, select. Yeah, I've learned That's a lot. The, Even though I don't eat beef, I, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people who are taking advantage of this, and so I've educated myself quite, quite a bit so that I can, you know, refer this resource out to people. Yep. So here are the three uh, the threads of beef, prime, choice, and select. But just listening to them, you'd think they were all the same. They're not. <laughs> okay. Prime, right. you know, has the most marbling. In other words, the most fat, the corn. Choice is, is the grade below prime, uh, less marbling, uh, still tender and juicy. And then select is the leanest, which is probably the healthiest for you, but it says it can dry out if not cooked properly. So prime is the best. Choice is next. Select is third <clears throat> for those of you in your markets. And so, but there's another kind, like the, the Japanese use only prime. You know, you go to a Japanese restaurant and they, they have something called Kobe beef, which is outrageously expensive. Uh, and I'm not sure. I've never heard mm-hmm. black label beef, and I don't see that listed here. Yeah, see, all these different food. We should play with more food because it's fun. There's always stuff that we can, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we can, we can do with that. But because uh, people, you know, we can talk about toxicity so long. I'd rather talk about gin. What the fun we had talking about gin and beef. Much more fun. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. And um, we need to. We really need to hit on those um, those food labels. Mm-hmm. So next week. Yep. Any any information yep. you want to give? Uh, websites, emails, anything you want. Feel free. Sure, sure, absolutely. So if anybody wants to reach me with any questions or anything like that, you can reach me at h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. That's h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. And just put in the subject line, Action Radio. Sounds good to me. Thank you, CJ. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Have a blessed day, everybody. Yeah, and you have a blessed day, Bye. too. Right. Bye now. Okay, so I, I played everything that I needed to play, but just to give you our websites once again, it's writeyourlaws.com. That's where you find our legislation. Blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. That's the radio uh, station you're listening to right now. My substacks are gregpenglis.substack.com, uh, explaining all the different things. In fact, my next article is going to be uh, on the, the CDC chart that proves COVID ended mid-July of 2020. Uh, that's going to cause a little controversy. Uh, and, of course, uh, if you want to donate, we have givesendgo.com slash action radio. So I played all my, uh, my promos, my ads. I played everything I need to play. So I'm just going to end with some music here. So this actually worked out pretty well. So a little classical music to send you on your way, to liven up your day, have some fun. And we are back tomorrow, Friday at 7 a.m. Central Time.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.